Dog Hill was our neighborhood on Mount Pleasant Road, Waycross, Georgia. Our gang, the Dog Hill Gang, consisted of Greg Slick Griffin. There he is. James Cock. Ray Heron. Johnny Bennett. And my brother Dave Griffin and I. That is a sign. Y'all, I'm going to the house. Oh, man, I'm telling you. <laughs> I wish we'd have had that on here. Oh, we do. <laughs> He's already recording. Oh, are we? And and yeah. with that, welcome to a special Something in the Water podcast. I'm Uncle Dave Griffin. Sean Clark is not with us tonight because we didn't have enough room, actually. We have. Plus, he's not a member of the Dog Hill Gang, so... There you and, and there it is, folks. This is a Dog Hill Gang special episode. Absolutely. And uh, here we have them, the original Dog Hill Gang, including our dear, departed, loved one, Greg Griffin. Greg Slick Griffin. Right here. Greg Slick Griffin. He's here in spirit. He's here, here in spirit, by and golly. He's, he's right here in the room. <clears throat> he's here in mm-hmm. picture right here. That was one of... His wife, well, actually, that, that one right there. The best was, body uh, block man in one history. One of his favorite, well, one of her favorite people. You can see his hot body block coming from 10 <laughs> the, foot away. The rolling body <laughs> block. Greg's been gone a month or July 25th. Six weeks. Yeah. Other than Johnny Bennett, he's. Well, actually, this is, this is, people are watching this on October 1st, so it's been a little longer than. That's right. Six weeks, but uh, still, it was late we, July, wasn't it? It was July the twenty fifth when I got the text from James, and I got the text, and I was sitting there in my little—I call it studio—but it's just a little junk room that I was painting, and I got the text from Joey, his brother, and another dog healer, and I tell you, I ain't cried in a long time. Yeah, and I couldn't. I couldn't help it. I know it. Diane was at the store, and when she come back, she knew what had happened. Just for the record, Greg Griffin and Johnny Bennett are the only two dog healers on the other side right now, and we we four remain absolutely on this mortal plane. Yep, yep. And uh, we hanging in there like a hair on a biscuit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Well. That was it. The origins of the Dog Hill gang stretch way back. Dog Hill was actually mm-hmm. Mount Pleasant Road in Waycross, Georgia, and uh, that has a, a tale of its own. But our, our uncle Vance, uh, our mother's brother, uh, came to live in our backyard in a mobile home. Uh, I guess this was the '60s, in the '60s, yeah, and. Late. Uh, Late 60s. Yeah. 
Vance would have been 25 years old. Yeah, he was a single man. And, uh, and uh, he had he, moved there from the farm, the solitude of Brantley County. Yeah, our granddaddy had passed away in 66, I believe. And, and uh, we moved our grandmother into our backyard and mobile home. And then Vance came to live with his mama back there. Well, what and, about... What about Royce, his brother, Bud? He's passed yeah. away now. I mean, but didn't he live there too? No. no. Well, he stayed he around. Often he, visited. He, I'm going to tell you this. My bedroom was close to y'all's carport mm-hmm. and about oh, one, two, three o'clock in the morning, <laughs> Vance would pull up. Royce. No, Vance. Okay. And yeah. he would go He would yeah. go get go back there to his place. Yeah. And then about four or five in the morning, here come Bud pulling up. Yeah. <laughs> he was older and wilier. Yeah, Bud had a convertible always. He did use uh, our house. No, probably uh, Grandma's, Grandma's Grandma yeah. and Vance's trailer. As, you know, it had three bedrooms, I think. Uh, so he did use it as a convenient I, don't yeah. so. I can remember him coming in at night and hearing him. That could be. But again, back to yeah, Vance. Uh, Vance uh, once Vance started living back there on Mount Pleasant Road, <laughs> he had a remark about the, uh, the he couldn't get to sleep every night because the incessant barking of the dogs. Lots of them. On Mount Pleasant Road. A lot, a lot of dogs. A lot of dogs. Mm-hmm. We were probably used to the barking, but yeah. back before the lease laws, they were running loose. <laughs> I think this, every household had uh, 2.1 uh, Well, dogs, let's talk so. about that. What was mm-hmm. your dog's names, James? Good gosh. I did <laughs> Is a, his mic okay? I did, I did a, a... You want to turn that, push that a little more towards his mouth there? There you go. Just I, push the mic, angle I, it. There you go. There we go. Okay, go. I did a little <laughs> painting kind of thing of the dogs that I had. Yeah. Heaven's Dog Hill. And my That's gosh, right. they was a list as long as a grocery list. I remembered some of them. And Dave said, well, you didn't put sport on there. And that was their dog. And yeah, those were just yours. And these were just mine. And then I remembered, hell, we had a dog named Sport, too. And I didn't put him on the list. So. <laughs> but... but uh, but, well, you did. You had the ones that I can recall were Rex, Corky, Corky, uh, Trigger, uh, Smut, and Tojo. Tojo. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Trigger that was, was one I remember. Yes, it, but uh, Tojo was the one you drove all the way around the block one time trying to tire him out and he followed you all the way around the block. <laughs> Once. Once. Too late. The, he, the, he, the, the preacher telling another one. Yeah. <laughs> Why'd you want to tire him out? So because he started following us to town. Yeah. And I knew uh, he was going to get killed. So Okay. So we, we had a plan to tire him out. And uh, when we come by the house, he looked at that house and he and we went on around, and, and and he turned around and went back to the yeah, house. One time got him. And he lived. Yeah. So that, it was a yeah. Caesar moment. It was. The right? dog what whisper. about yours? Your- I had a lot of stray dogs coming up. That's where we would get them all, and I would just go ahead and name them. I had one named Sam. Uh, I have pictures of me and Sam. And then I started getting chihuahuas. Well, what happened was where the chihuahuas come into my life was when my daddy passed away. 
about drove my mama crazy asking her questions all the time about like what was he eating and dinner in heaven and stuff and so she went and told the doctors you know that that was about to drive her crazy and they said buy him a chihuahua <laughs> and that's the truth so i still got a chihuahua at the house i've had chihuahuas forever in fact i had three little bits every time we had one we'd rename it little bit little bit one yeah, wonder, why they, third little wonder bit. why they went with chihuahua over all the other breeds i don't know uh, that i have heard that chihuahuas if you yeah. got asthma you would get you a yeah. chihuahua i've heard that to well, be I never had not definite been without so it a might be something to do with grief and yeah. <laughs> trauma. But, you know, most of the dogs were stray around Mount Pleasant Road. They just showed up and people took to them, you know. All well, right, Dave, what about our dogs? We had one at a time usually. Yeah. Uh, well, my I really don't remember an early dog except that one that we tried to get in Tripoli. Okay, uh, prior to that, I don't recall before yeah, before you, Tripoli if we had a dog. Or I was one. very young. You were barely here. Yeah, <laughs> you were one or two, but we had uh, uh, Poochie, then we, then we got Moochie, Poochie and Moochie. I do remember them names, now. and I think they both got just made me feel cars. good all over here. I don't remember them. <laughs> so it must be uh, subliminal. Then we had a big white dog named Silver Chief. Silver Golly, Chief. yeah. And he actually belonged to us and the, our neighbors, the Cheshires, uh, who were our oh, first yeah. cousins. Yeah. Our aunt and her husband. Gene Cheshire. And uh, Stanley and Wanda were our first cousins. Yeah. And his Azalea. And uh, Silver Chief belonged to both both families, I guess. Why they ain't a whole lot of pictures. And uh, he was a very good dog uh, in the mold of old yeller and rent tent tent. Was he like he a, pulled us a, both a, out of uh, <laughs> ponds when we were drowning? I don't, I don't guess. <laughs> was he like a German uh, uh, shepherd or something? He was Just probably a mixed a breed. He looked looked a lot like a Labrador, but not yeah. uh, really. And he was white yeah. and uh, solid white and. He got hit by a car too. Our dogs like to chase cars. Yeah, <laughs> Mount Pleasant Road was a, a dirt road, very muddy when it rained. You know, speaking of Gene, I you know, I, I remember Gene always would walk out his front door and go behind the zay bushes and drink his liquor, and everybody in the neighborhood seen him. Yeah. And he would walk out and he'd look around first to see if anybody was watching him, and he'd go in and was right behind the porch there. You can yeah. see him turn a bottle up and hide it back down in the Zayas and go back in the house. That was so, our Uncle Gene. I'll point out he wasn't seen. a blood uncle. <clears throat> well, let me, before <laughs> we get any further, we hadn't even introduced our guest uh, outside of the Dog Hill Gang. Two of them y'all have seen already before. This is Billy Ray Heron sitting on the couch here and uh, uh, owner of Hickory Wind Music Store. and uh, He's been on the podcast a couple of times. This is James Cock. He was on a very recent podcast, and uh, he lives in Valdosta now and is has taken up uh, painting. You can find his stuff at James Cock Art. And and the reason on I, Facebook. The reason I think it's so special. <laughs> I'm laughing because I can't carry a tune in a bucket, so I can't play anything. And I, I was homebound and I couldn't go anywhere, so. I got a paint set and wound up enjoying it and loving it. But 
Uh, a lot of it looks like I painted it, but I'm painting from a perspective of a uh, of a blind person. I'm legally blind. But it looks good, though. Uh, yeah, I, I think it's folk art. Plus, uh, let me correct you, though. You actually did grow from North Country pretty good back in the early days. Do what now? You learned to play Girl from the North Country by Bob Dylan. Well, I used to. It's the I only used, song you ever learned, but you did it okay. Time on was a little off, but Bob Dylan's time on was off guitar. anyway. I, I used to play with y'all, and I remember yeah. sitting around, and as long as y'all were strumming, was I was strumming. I could, I yeah. could keep up with y'all. When y'all would quit, I'd have to quit because nothing well, come natural to you, me about were, that. Well, and our third and final guest. On, on the podcast is my brother, Gary Tick Griffin, who is uh, yeah. uh, retired from uh, managing editor of the Waycross mm-hmm. Journal Herald and is now a pastor of three Methodist churches all in Pearson, in and around Pearson. How does so, he do that? So <laughs> I just want to say this is a very special episode for me. Absolutely. And... Uh, <laughs> as, uh, you, as you've already watched the first 10, 15 minutes, uh, we're going to ramble. Uh, we're going to yeah. ramble a lot. But uh, four, four of us have made it through. Four Maybe. of us have lived to right. right. We're all pushing 70. Some of us have made it already. Gary was the oldest of the group. Yeah. Born uh, November 23rd, 1950. Greg came next. Two Jan- months later. January. January uh-huh. 24th. Yeah. That's 1951. Right. James was February 18th, shared a birthday with mine and Gary's mom. Well, actually, mama. Johnny was older than James. Johnny was. Yeah, and we're leaving Johnny Bennett out. He was older yeah. than James. Johnny Bennett's been deceased quite a Since long time. Since 2009. Just for the record. Yeah. yeah. I don't remember his birthday. James was year. February 18th, 1952. October 29, 52. October 29, 52. And then I came in yeah. September 1st, 53. Yeah. So that's how the hierarchy arranged right. out. And, uh, Lord, we had some times. <laughs> that was the best. Mount Pleasant Road was the, it was a, a heavenly haven. It was ideal. Back in those days, everything really, was really perfect was spe- about it. Uh, special. It was so special. Well, I'll tell you I how special other it was. people in their neighborhoods. I had, a, I had a first cousin in Myrtle Beach that preached at my mama's funeral. Mm. And he talked about, because he was our age, Gene. And Gene said, you know, back in, he said, people now go to Disneyland or Disney World vacation. He said, when I was a kid living in Myrtle Beach, too, now, this for Myrtle Beach was a big tourist town. He said, instead of Disney World, we went to Aunt May's. Because there was so much on Mount Pleasant Road to get into. That was like the vacation part. And I never thought about it until he said it, you know. But we had something constantly. As soon as you got up in the morning, there was something going on. And it was mostly at your house. Yep. Everybody come down. I I can remember. And, and Greg was telling me this. He said, uh, he 
his dad worked at the railroad on a Saturday morning. Yeah. Dad want to sleep in, and he'd hear knock, 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 and it'd be Johnny Bennett. <laughs> Johnny Bennett waking everybody. <laughs> Big Johnny, be, Big Joe would be running him off. And, I remember Johnny waving, waking me up with matches in my window at yeah. the house. I look at her, and he'd be waving matches in the dark. <laughs> in the dark. One morning, I woke up, and I, I rolled over, and I looked over, and Johnny's laying beside me on the floor. He t- he was, he was he's not making a noise, but he was ready for me to wake up. He broke in. <laughs> yeah, he broke in. No. We didn't we lock didn't, the doors. We didn't lock our doors. That's true. No, that was yeah, you one didn't of the things. Well, the windows were open, too. Yeah, yeah air, windows. We didn't have no, AC. We didn't have AC. The boys told me, they said, Dad, you wasn't worried about burglars? I said, son, the only thing that kept me from falling out the window was them little hooks on the screen because <laughs> I'd be laying in that window trying to get some cool air. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, that's some of my best memories is going to sleep in that old house. Concrete blocks, so yeah. it was naturally... Yeah. cooler with that concrete block. It, let and, me tell you a little story about all them houses on the road. A lot of y'all, don't, a lot of y'all probably don't know this. By the same person. My Bud daddy Branson. and my uncle built every house all the way down to uh, Sylvia Peterson. That was the last house they built. Buck Lightsey was your uncle? No, it was Harry, uh, Uncle Harry and my daddy. He was a had a real estate company uh, called Heron Real Estate. And they... Somewhere in history, I don't know, they bought properties all along Mount Pleasant Road, and they would build houses, and Harry yep. would live in some. And we, In fact, we lived in the house the Thorntons lived in first while Daddy built a house that we ended up in. Uh-huh. And Harry would live in different houses as he built the houses. He built y'all's house and built your house. Well, I know this. Well, they were also different houses. Yeah. Well, my granddaddy, when he bought our house, he bought, JR's house, Gary and Dave's house. Did he? He bought ML's house. I didn't and know he that. bought he bought uh Lorena and her husband's house. And sold them uh, all to him. Big Granny did? Yes. And and he and we, we he, bought them all from him. He, he financed them to them because I remember yeah. at certain times that in during my life when they would yeah. come over and say, This is our last payment to you, Mr. Lotts. That's Back well, then a house payment uh, might have been $42. Well, month. my daddy did the same thing with the Thorns. When he built our house, he he financed James in them that house. You know, so Norma I guess people Jean, did that. Uh, Latsy and Sandy Latsy, they used to tell me, uh, my daddy built y'all's house. Huh. No. Buck, Buck Latsy. Well, see, Buck, uh, I didn't know any different. Buck and ML. They added on our back well, they, bedroom. Maybe there was a lot of add-on around yeah. yeah. The central part of your house, Harry built. Right. And, and, then, and, then and then ML. And, who added on to ours. We had that carport added on very, very yeah. early on. This is the most scintillating uh, episode y'all have had. <laughs> Yeah, all you people, you got to keep listening because the best is yet to come. Oh, boy. Yeah, but this, this is just the foundation now. Stay, uh, <laughs> pay attention. Foundation. Pay attention. Uh, Our house was almost at the top of Mount Pleasant Road on the yeah, south on, side. James was on Next the hill. Next door, James hill. and Mr. Lotz and Mrs. Lotz, his grandparents, they lived on the very peak of Mount Pleasant Hill. Oh, we didn't you never know. finish the Vance story. Vance couldn't sleep. Our Uncle Vance couldn't sleep because of all the dogs barking. So he was the one that named Mount Pleasant Road 
Dog Hill, and, and we were. We did grow up. James grew up right on top of the hill. Well, he named yeah. he's named. So it became Dog Hill from Uncle Vance, and we claimed it. Well, he actually <laughs> yeah, called, We were teenagers by then, I guess. But he called us Dog Hill Gang on a radio program. <laughs> Don't you remember? That's where the term come from. He actually said Dog Hill Gang. <laughs> what radio program? Well, Something he would go down there when Chris Crosby Because he would was speak a, on the radio once. Chris Crosby was oh, his yeah. friend. He was yeah, he actually DJ said it on the radio. WCL. That's where, where y'all picked it up. What would Vance's uh, monologue be? I don't know. <laughs> well, well uh, Tom James and Shondale. Well, you know, he used thing. to see beer, so it would have been in his CB voice. Yeah. <laughs> Well, uh, it's a spring day down here in South Georgia. It's a spring there, 78 degrees. He's talking to some Yankee on the His song goes out to my wife, pot liquor. (laughs) And uh, Vance is our mother's youngest brother. He's about 80, 80 years old this year, I think. He's he's easing into Vance Carter. He's the last last one of those siblings left. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> but anyhow, uh, so uh, Gary being the oldest, and uh, that put us 50 to 53, just uh, three years or less separating all of us. And uh, as we grew, we experienced uh, everything, just about everything that everybody, every other kid born in those years did, but it was something more to it with us uh, because of the closeness that we had. And uh, I agree. We, we did the whole going to the show, going to the movies and stuff, and coming home and <laughs> reenacting it out in the backyard <laughs> of James's house. James was the house that the we all gravitated to. We listened. There was a lot of firsts that I had in that house. Was uh, uh, we listened to records over there? We'd we'd play over there. We'd try to write books over there. Uh, um, Coldest water I've ever drank under that shelter in the hot. Played sun. sports in the back pasture. Yeah. Something about that water in that old. Under was, that, that was some good water. Cold, <laughs> clear water, <laughs> and. Uh, and uh, uh, first beer, first cigarette, all them kind of all things you go through and yeah. through childhood. First you know, taste of the liquor. Yes, sir. <laughs> it all it all happened with us and uh, the pastor. We dealt with it, and met it head on. You know why we gravitated to James's house? I think. Uh, discipline there was kind of slack compared to our houses, right? <laughs> of course. <laughs> well, I mean, he had a good upbringing. He had a uh, well, mother that really cared and grandparents that really cared. But I guess maybe did they go to bed early or they something? Were, they were just old, you know. Well, and granny, we got away with more over there. Little so Granny I thought guess. James could do no wrong anyway. <laughs> yeah. And, and she uh, was right. Uh, Mr. and Miss Lodge, uh this was uh, uh, a term of endearment, but that James grew up with called his called his grandmother Little Granny, and she was little yeah. compared to her husband. He was a big old towering man, but his name was Big Granny. 
So that was unusual for us as kids, uh, <laughs> I think. But we we latched on to it too. And uh, big granny and little granny. Now both of y'all shared uh, the same history as far as your fathers. Yeah, died. mine died when at I was at a six young age. James too. died when he was four or five. Wasn't yeah, it? four. And how old were you? Yeah, six. See, okay. So there was that. To uh, the contrary, our daddy's still alive. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Our, our daddy is going to be 95. He turned 95 on yeah. September 14th. 14th. That's right. Genetics, Amazing. buddy. Y'all probably got it in you. So getting back to that, so. that was the uh, that was the dynamic <laughs> that uh, lent us to James's house <laughs> most all of the time was that mm -hmm. we had strict discipline if we stayed under our house roof and uh, we go over to James's, it was like, everything's cool. <laughs> well, <laughs> they left that, us alone. Hop that picket fence and it was they like. They left us alone. We were playing. in the back of the house. Well, you know, the, the athletics was probably the medium of it all. Because as soon as we were able to get out in that pasture, we were playing sports. Yeah, it ain't like we were going to James's house to, no. to sin and debauchery yeah. or anything. Yeah. <laughs> we went over there. At because least, we played everything. We played sports. Everything. But I will say this, in the very back room back there, if we wanted to get out after dark, yeah, I had an old turntable, and I'd put about six or eight albums on that thing. And put the speakers in the window. And, and turn <laughs> that thing on loud, and we'd lock the door, and we'd go out the back door. Yeah. And uh, little granny thought we was back there listening to music. Because so. yeah, you did, never did anything wrong. That's right. That's right. <laughs> but, uh, oh. yeah, we played soccer before mm -hmm. I, anybody thought soccer we was cool. Soccer. Played all the sports back there. Soccer wore me out. Yeah. We Nothing even played a, a game inside your living room one time, uh, a football or baseball game. Wasn't Certainly it? brought about by rain. Yeah. And we, we that didn't stop us. Yeah. <laughs> we, we took the rolled up newspaper for the bat, and mm -hmm. I guess we crunched a newspaper ball together and taped it up. Taped it around, mm -hmm. and, and that was the ball. And you remember that wasn't one newspaper. It was. A month's worth of newspapers. You remember what a home base was? Was, that was, was James? Well, home plate was your husband. That yeah. little pillow oh, with the home. arms on it that, that was you could home. lay in bed. We stuck that right in front of the front door, <laughs> inside the front door, and that was the umpire. And <laughs> that was, that was a, strike. a strike zone. It, strike zone. <laughs> the batter sat next to it with the. Uh, I remember one newspaper bat. One, I remember one year we all got into playing poker. We didn't have no money, but we used empty. We had somebody would give us a bunch of little candy bags, little paper candy bags, and we used them as our money. And we played poker with the candy bags. You remember that on Greg on Greg's screen porch? Oh, yeah. you remember doing that? I can't remember. Yeah, I can't remember that one. We. We destroyed some property too. Uh, well, we'd fix well it with that. Up. For that was indoor baseball game, we yeah. we uh, busted up somebody's china cabinet. I guess little I, granny's. I still have it at the house, and and one of the panels on the side is still missing. <laughs> the china cabinet. When I get rich, I'm gonna have that piece of glass fixed. But when I get rich, we played some game over at Greg. Greg's house was shaded by 
several big trees, and uh, you could go into his house. But his house was in a circle. Remember the entire yeah. house run a circle? Yeah. Yep. And uh, yeah, from the living the room, you could, to the kitchen. It was yeah. a circular uh, hallway <laughs> through the bathroom, kitchen, and back around. Each but room we could close them curtains, the doors. drapes, all around Greg's house <laughs> and close off the bedroom doors where it was nothing but living room, kitchen, and that hallway. <laughs> yeah. And it was a game of tag, I think, with coasters. Something I know. So hard rubber coasters. <laughs> yep. It was, it was, uh, <laughs> you slung them like a frisbee. <laughs> like a. Like I say, some property was destroyed. <laughs> yeah, uh, Somebody's standing on that telephone stool. Hey, with you always, the we, here's the we, thing. You we were not knew. just eight or nine. We were no, we 13 or 14. 12 or 13. Well, you always right knew there was a point you had to stop and clean up and fix everything. It was like it was before the parents got like home. Like 30 minutes before everybody come home, we'd clean up and fix up and like nothing happened. Yeah, there was, I think, a picture of Greg when he was a baby that hung. We tried in that one at y'all's of the bedrooms, house. and that picture was destroyed. Greg threw it in the woods before the parents got home, <laughs> and nobody As ever said. went by. Some uh, conversation. <laughs> Whatever happened to that picture of Greg? And Greg was like, <laughs> "But now the you one, got me. Hey, the one person we couldn't get over on uh, trying to clean the house up after a big party was your daddy." <laughs> Oh man! Your that daddy was, would walk in and know he walked in that day. I, thank goodness mm. I wasn't there for any of that. It was y'all. Lord, I had moved on. I was, was in the air force, and y'all were. That was that military seventy-three, <laughs> and they had borrowed your van, which I took over to payments on when you went to, VW van. Yeah, yep, when you went to Cornwall, and uh, I ended up buying the van, and they borrowed it to go to Ohio one summer. <laughs> to and, see daddy's uh, brother. Yep. And uh, they weren't supposed to be back as soon as they were. <laughs> they came <laughs> back a day or two early. They though. came back a day early. Was and there any beer cans the laying in the floor? It was the morning after that party we had there. <laughs> yeah. There was beer cans all over the house. And uh, my bedroom at that time was way in there where the uh, uh, washer and dryer was at the back door. Man, there was and a, I remember hearing that van, that Volkswagen engine putter up, and I, I jumped out of bed in my underwear, ran through the kitchen, grabbed the trash can, and was standing at the piano, raking my arm down the, with beer cans and stuff into the trash can when they walked in the door. But it was and a lost Deb, and, Deb and Mama was first, and Mama was like, hey. You know, and uh, Daddy came in right behind her, and he already had a frown on his face. <laughs> Cause, uh, did he I say hey? Why. No, he did not. He just had that frown on his face. He looked at me. I looked at him in my underwear and had the trash can in his hand. It's like he knew something was Wrong. <laughs> then he did a uh, uh, walk through. <laughs> oh, yeah. Wasn't there a significant cigarette burn on the uh, carpet? Yeah, we uh, tried to put a chair on top of it, but they, that was found. <laughs> what was the den of sin? Uh, yeah, there was a black light on the mantel place of the fireplace in the front room. And uh, all of that stuff was still there because I thought I had. 24 hours. Yeah. He probably planned that to come home earlier. <laughs> well, it happened more than once. I think. <laughs> I don't, that was enough to 
steer me right. They caught us down at, at the Waddell Cottage just one time. In we Fernandina were, Beach. We were down there. I remember that. Uh, you had a good throw, though. That was a good throw you made. That was the different. That was not Jr. and them. That was, that was but Mac I, and them, Big I, Mac. I, and I was on the fishing out there on the surf when they drove up, and Savita says, Look, James is fishing. That's you know, just oh, just yeah. like him, you know. That's till they got up there and seen what we was into, you know. <laughs> but but that what you talking about? We had rented a cottage for probably yeah. a week, and yeah. uh, there was some stuff in there that we might have not have should have had, and uh, maybe a green leafy bag. Yeah, and an old, your athletic ability come through on it. One one of the fellows that we knew in. In uh, in town, had visited us, right? And Mac King saw him leave, and when he left, he came over there because this fella had a kind of a shady reputation, and uh, who was it? I mean, you can whisper it. It was it was was old Robert Lee. There we go. And he was uh, known. And I was standing on the back side of two double beds, yeah. and right when you come in the door was a little coffee table with a, uh, a open bag laying there. <laughs> and the next thing I hear is the screen door opening on the on the cottage, mm-hmm. and here come <laughs> six foot four Matt King in that door. And I looked around, and there was a, a, a white towel laying on the bed. I took and I throwed that towel across the room, yes, and right there at Mike at, at Mac's hand, and that thing just covered that bag. It looked like it was supposed to be there. That's the best throw I ever made. Train, training from the pasture days. And he says, "What's that boy doing in here? I know he's up to no good." And he was standing there giving us the devil, and we was, "I don't know what are you talking about?" You know, that that saved our bacon right there. <laughs> oh, the Waddell colleges. The old Waddell colleges. Yeah, I think they, was, they were 75 square feet, the whole. Yeah. It was smaller than this room, the whole unit. I think there was $35 a week, if well, I'm not mistaken. Well, the shower, you could look up, had no ceiling yeah, The on. shower was out back. There was there <laughs> yeah. were walls, but no ceiling. I'll tell you <laughs> the funny thing. One time, we, we all rented it, and we all <clears throat> we got stoned, and we went to town to buy groceries to eat. <laughs> and we come back with frozen pot pies and we didn't even have an oven. <laughs> we didn't even have an oven. So we How did you back. salvage that? Well, we decided we, we would take two frying pans and put one on top of the other I, under, the, under the gasoline that. burner. of the. That's all we had was a gasoline burner. And put the pot pies yeah, on. I don't think it worked too well. But. Well, it thawed them out, but the <laughs> dough was a little bit uh, soft. Hey, we're still here. <laughs> Still here. Oh man, Fernandina Beach was our getaway <laughs> destination. I'll Today you, it's known as a meal. Let me tell you one of my yeah. best memories of the Wild Cottages, though. And I tell this a lot. Me and James went down there for a week, waiting on y'all to come on the weekend. And we had been there from Sunday to Friday, and we were about wore out and just sitting on the screen porch waiting for y'all. And before we saw you, we heard you. <laughs> It was you and Larry Rickson, Charles Corbett, and Greg. 
And I heard a noise coming down the road, and I looked up, and it was y'all hanging out the windows, waving beer cans, and y'all pulled up to the cabin, and you got out. And I'll never forget what you did. It might have been an empty beer can, but you threw it against the inside of the wall on the green porch and said, let's party or let's go or something. And we didn't slow down to Sunday morning. I, I, I remember going there that the, right before football camp started my senior year at Ware County, and we drank beer all week. And then we went to I had to go to football practice. And he made a run. And and yeah. he, he said, the coach said, well, you're going gonna to run 100 yards, and then you're going to turn around and walk back. Well, I didn't make one run down there before I was sweating profusely oh, yeah. and had to stagger back. That beer was just coming out of every pore. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, you remember he made us run 52 times around the track. He said you could walk it or run it. You remember? Yeah. But you had to go around the track 52 times and then go home because they couldn't officially do foot, football camp at that point. It was Four volunteer. laps is a mile, so. Yeah. That was five miles, I guess. Yeah. Well, and, and the only thing that saved us was that it got dark before we could do much. <laughs> and and so he said the next day we were going to do 70. No, it went from 2,400-yard dashes to, mm. to 50 something to 72 and the, the fourth day nobody showed up out there i remember the morning you showed up out there and and you threw up in the uh in the train and we were in line doing something you threw up and coach said something to you and you said you drank orange juice and he, he, he said, said, "He said, I bet you'll drink orange juice again. Won't you, stupid?" <laughs> yeah. He said, "He said, what did you have for breakfast this morning?" And I said, "Sausage and eggs and orange juice." And, and orange juice. And he said, "I bet you won't do that again. We is stupid." That was our. <laughs> and by the time I took you up there, we were, I was going to take you to the doctor. That's right. I took James in there, and it was uh, Coach Early and Edwin Pope. We was in the dressing room, and I said, James has got an infected toe, and it was, I mean, it was seriously infected. And I said, I'm going to take him to the doctor. And uh, Coach Early said, I'm, I'm the doctor. And they went over, and they had James put his hands and hold the back of one of them uh, bars on that window, and he took a pair of fingernail clippers you remember that yes Who i do this is why that's why he later got fired doing this stuff he took them clippers and me and evan pope sit there and watched him he tore open that uh sore james on his foot and smashed the stuff out and put it said put your sock and shoe on and go practice Good Lord. He could have got gangrene. <laughs> That's why he later got fired, was doing that stuff. That's what that was all hey, about later. But we this still was 1970 here. when yeah. stuff like that was still allowed. <laughs> yeah. The yeah. old days. Yeah. The old days. days. Well, let's talk about uh, music. Uh, two of the dog healers this, on the couch right here, we went on to music. In our lives. Okay, me and Gary actually started. Yeah, y'all were the early uh, students at the Record Nook. Yeah. In 60. Yes, sir. The carpet baggers. Taught us $3 a lesson. Gary kind of faded out pretty quick, and I stuck with it. I remember taking guitar lessons. Uh, at the Record Nook. Well, me and Larry Wiles took yep. them at the 
State Street Motel. Oh. They had those little... Uh, That's probably where the guy stayed. Could have been. Could have been. They were play, somebody. They were playing at the Steve's Pine Room. Steve's Pine Room. Yeah, right, band. yeah. Yeah, Carpet Packers was the band. That was the name of the band? Yeah. Well, this guy was... Uh, well, they told his first name Larry. was Larry. Larry was the one who taught me, and the other one was, I can't remember his name, it was two guitar players teaching. Okay. Yeah. And uh, I had just gotten a guitar for Christmas or my birthday or something, and Larry had two, my yeah. first cousin. And uh, we learned, you know, I learned uh, C, Dooley, um, G, G7, F. I could. I was yeah. a strummer. And, mm -hmm. I, you know, in practice, yeah. I got to be mm -hmm. a good strummer. Tom Dooley, McElroy, you vote ashore, and then eight days a week. The same <laughs> right. thing he told us. And Mrs. Brown, you have yeah. a lovely yeah. Mrs. Brown. And then that. I remember hearing uh, Chip Wiles was in there taking lessons, and I remember hearing him playing Day Tripper. And I remember telling Larry, I said, I want to learn some of that right there. There you go. And uh, Madison Gibson teaching. went to him, and, uh, <laughs> and Bill Mad Smith Madison was, told me. Bill was there. Bill Smith was there. Yeah. And Madison told me uh, that Larry would. Yeah would say, well, let me teach you this. And Madison was like, no, you play, you play. I want to, I want to watch, you know. And Madison just watched and yeah. listened to him play. And Madison is natural. Uh, yeah. He was naturally yeah. gifted. Uh, he's, he plays banjo now more than anything he else. Does, yeah. He's a, a great musician. He's still around. He's Do you remember age. what happened to the carpetbaggers? No, I, this is news to me. Here's I what know. I'm telling you. Larry told me that Paul Revere and the Raiders people had offered them an open and act for the carpetbaggers. And, you know, we all started showing up at Record Nook one Saturday, and they weren't there. And I would come back every Saturday, and, and finally the old lady that run it, I can't remember Lillian, her name. Miss Lillian. Yeah, and she finally, uh, she said, I guess they're not coming back. And I, I'm assuming they went on the road with the carpetbaggers. That's what I always thought. With Paul Revere. I mean, with the Raiders. Paul and Raiders. They Paul Revere and the Raiders good. was a... Yeah. Must was have been a, one outstanding... <laughs> I don't know. They were the house band there. They were the regular band. Yeah. Bands but for Cynthia, all you younger people. Cynthia right. Balkan... <laughs> you uh, can Google it. A few years ago, Cynthia Balkan kept up with Larry, and he ended up being a preacher. Is that right? Yeah, somewhere in Georgia. And she showed me a picture of him. Uh, well, let's see. If I was... Uh, 13 years old, he was probably 23, young rock and roll guy playing at Steve's Pine Room. Yeah. So uh, he might still be around. So you gave it up. I kept it going. Mm -hmm. And then Dave. It was about uh, the same time Dave started taking piano lessons at Dave was already Memorial playing right, School. Right. Yeah. That's and about, about the same time, Mama went and bought a piano. Yeah. Yeah. That's at, right. Uh, Bradshaw's, I think. Yeah, they was, they was. already had piano down. What was the brand name? I, oh, God, it was a. Uh, oh, man, I used I to. I saw an that. old picture yeah. and I. I can't remember. Increased the size it, till uh, it. I've got it written down in one of my tales. Was it it's Hemingway? Right here, here. Hemingway? It's in this book right here because that was the, the one about my uncle L.T. It was a baby grand piano. No, it was an upright <laughs> that sat against the wall there. And I thought it would put Uncle. Yeah, here we go, the piano man. It was a ball one. <laughs> no, what, it wasn't a name that uh, very well remembered. Let's see. Uh, I thought it was Hemingway, see. but. No, it seemed like a, it was about a six-letter name. 
Since uh, the end of the course. I, I know we used to be aggravated because David had to stop our football game and go up there and have piano lessons for 30 minutes, and we'd have to sit under the shelter and wait on him. <laughs> well, I had to practice. My, I didn't have a teacher that came to the house. I took my lessons at school, but then I I guess Mama made me practice, huh? Yep. At home. This was our first indoctrination. I did not. I didn't include the name of it. And uh, uh, I'll have to go out in the in the garage. It's still in my garage. Of all of us guitar owners, Ray <laughs> practiced more than anybody. Yeah, Ray carried and, uh, it on. And by yeah. the time I got to the twelfth grade in high school, we were both in the same class. And uh, well, in fact, I just lost my first piano player about two weeks ago. Who was that? Steve Smith. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's right. You were in a band We were, me and him and Kenny and Steve, Dave Buchanan, Dennis Keene, and Ashley Corp. We had a band called New Beginnings. Steve was my first piano player. And that was while I was still in, like, 11th or grade along there. And then Dave. I had the the urge to play bass guitar. And so you taught me over at your trade. That's right. Hey, Joe. One day you had an electric guitar sitting in the corner of the room, and it was had all the f- four strings of a bass. Right. It was missing the, the two smaller right. strings, so it was exactly like a bass. And right. you taught me the Hey Joe, hey Joe. bass hey part. Hey Joe, you taught me that too. Yeah, Thank did. Yeah, and and yeah. from that, then me and Dave started playing around a little bit. And the year we graduated, see if you remember this. Went down to Robin King's cabin mm-hmm. at the river, and we jammed mm-hmm. for hours, uh, just playing nothing really, just jamming. <laughs> what year was that? Seventy one. It was the year we were graduating. Summer it was that 71. week of our graduation, actually. And, uh, and then I went off to college. Fifty one years ago. Me and James was at South Georgia. I and, went uh, off to Georgia Southern. And but on the weekends we'd come back and put our little band together, me and Dave and Jake Lee. We brought Jake in. <laughs> And we started playing and practicing in the old uh, house next to Arnie there, one of our old rental houses we had. Miss Crump's, Granny yeah. Crump's house. And, uh, and we had we played a lot there, didn't we? You moved your stereo in there, all oh, your yeah. records in there? We, we was playing a lot of uh, I'm Your Captain by Grand Funk was one of our songs. Until your daddy stopped us in the middle of the song. On a Sunday night. <laughs> I'll never forget, we was right they in the middle They came home of- from church and we was over there. Playing Grand Funk Railroad, and he came in there, and I was just playing away on that bass. Well, you was in the middle of that point where you go, do, 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 You know how bass carries. And I heard a noise. He grabbed hold of my ear or my collar and just yanked me off of that bass. Because I had my head turned, and I didn't know what happened. I heard the music stop, and I looked over there, and it's J.R. dragging Dave out of the room, and Dave had that look. I had that look at to me, almost bewildered look at me, you know, and I thought, well, I guess we should. Let me say something. Our, our daddy. Daddy. <laughs> but I couldn't blame him. Daddy, listen, has hey. mel- daddy has mellowed 100%. Oh, but let me tell you, back in and them days. Back we in didn't. them days, daddy, <laughs> yeah. you tried, you tried. Uh, you tried to steer us right, <laughs> yeah. but, but your best efforts, we resisted. Hey, but in truth, we were louder than we should have been at late at night. So he was probably right in the way. Yeah. yeah. And d- we didn't I, know. I said a minute ago, Daddy's just turned 95. 
He's healthier than we yeah. are. He actually is. Yeah. There's and, no way I'm going to live to be 95. <laughs> I can tell you and that right any, now. <laughs> anybody who was around us as as children would have an ill temper. But Daddy's ill temper has gone. He's very mellow yeah. now. The first time. And, uh, he's a great guy. He's, the first time we guy. decided to go to town, I'm going to tell you about this one now, Dave. <laughs> James always drove. What before. do you mean? The first time you decided to go to town? Because James start over with that. Because James <laughs> James didn't have license. Okay, you talking about driving, we were going out. Driving, on, we okay. were going to go out on the town. James could drive a car without license. None of the rest of well, us. How could. old was he? We James was fifteen. We were all right around the age, but it was me and James. I and, had my license and Gary and Greg, and we and got all dressed up, put our clone on. We were going to how town. Come for Gary our, didn't drive a car. It was uh, James. James car. Had the car, okay. so it was our first James time. Let me drive. We were going to town for our first time, all cloned up, dressed up, out on the town. Yeah, and we go we go driving down that road up here by uh, uh, going past Hog and Bones. Now it was dirt back then. Uh, I reckon oh, it was City Reynolds Boulevard, Street. wasn't it? Yeah, it was oh, dirt. Yeah. City Boulevard. Sorry. Oh, yeah. We yeah. were headed, thanks to the Four Hundred Club, where where you could always go in and buy beer. <laughs> And you run in the ditch and, and ditched us. You remember that? Yes, I do. And we're all, all dressed up in her, you know, and we sit in the ditch. <laughs> I don't think I was there. I've heard the story. And, and a neighbor come over and pulled us out. That was the Blue Plymouth. Yeah, the Blue Plymouth. He yeah. wasn't supposed to be driving when he was. His James. mother bought a brand new Blue Plymouth. James being in that. And it became, it became our car, really. <laughs> I guess it was the corner of Central and City Boulevard, and you were sitting there in it, and Daddy rolled up across from you in that health uh, health department truck, and his Daddy saw you, and he went. <laughs> shame, shame. I didn't know what he was shame, talking about. James. I didn't know if he was shooting me a bird or what. <laughs> But, but the reason we found the 400 Club is because my brother was older and he was legal drinking. And yeah. he went with an old boy named Randall Hickox and Randall they go Hickox. out on the town. Yeah. Yeah. And when my brother got sent off to Vietnam, yeah. Randall, out of habit, he come out of the house and grabbed me. Yeah. And then I grabbed everybody else. And But the first night we went out, he took us to the 400 Club. I think I was 14. You went in there, though. And, and I went in there. And, and I was scared. I went, where was, was that at? It was, it was way out in Gilchrist Park. It was, it was Park. the old black club. In the middle of the woods. Yeah. I wouldn't get out of the there car. There were old black men. Just, well, they I were probably that. 35 or 40. We thought they were old. They were sitting around drunk. <laughs> and, uh, a woman ran the place. Right? <laughs> but they all liked, they liked James. <laughs> when I went in there, I, I, it was, you know, in the afternoon, bright, sunny, and when I opened that door, it was black, dark in there. Music was blaring, and they were dancing in there. And I weaved my way to the very back, and there was an old man. I believe his name was Gene. Yeah, it and was. He yeah. was sitting there at a little bar, uh, low bar, and I don't know if he had a big old plate of pancakes or a big old hoe cake. And he was eating. Watch out now. And he says, he says, he says, are you 18? And I said, yes, sir. And he said, what do you yes, want? Yes, sir. I said, I, said uh, I want some, 
I forget how many quarts of country club malt liquor because that's what Randall told me to order. Okay. My gosh, I might have some nasty tasting stuff, but we drank it. We drank it. The first taste of sin. <laughs> yep. Well, before we got to them days. Oh, yeah. Uh, and the fact that we did end up in music and everything, they were musical as well. And we used to, we all listened to music at, at a very early age. Uh, we were, we all had radios and we all tuned into the uh, pop radio stations in our towns. Right. And, you know, uh, before, if you want to go back to everybody's, foundation as right. far as music you know usually back in 1950 53 uh most parents took their children to sunday school and we all learned jesus loves me this i know <laughs> yeah. and all those traditional songs well that was their really maybe first taste of music you might say other than uh Maybe your parents driving you around in the car and mm -hmm. uh, listening to Patty Page and mm -hmm. Perry Coma. Mm -hmm. Perry Coma was huge back then. I remember Rick. Hot diggity, and, dog diggity, boom, what yeah. you do to me. That's 54. And, and how much is that doggy in the window and all them? The Tennessee yeah. wall. But our daddy. And had Tennessee a, Ernie Ford. Had a collection at home. And that's where our education first Yeah, he started. had all the Hank Williams and stuff. Yeah, he was yeah. a big Hank Williams. Pull up that uh, gotcha. uh, album. Hank Williams. Album cover folder that I sent you. Hank's fame was in the late 40s, wasn't it? Late 40s, yeah. And then he died yeah, early in 53. Should have been 53. another. Uh, on, on Should have been the other email. New Year's Day, 53. You know, he was only 29 years 29 old. 29 years old. Yeah, he's amazing. Very old. One more. He died of the same thing Graham died of: alcohol, no. morphine poisoning. Uh, go to. He lived so hard he could have been like yeah. uh, forty-nine, not twenty-nine. Yeah, it was he, had, he had. We a, had a bad back, a and he lot, was taking morphine a lot for of back demons. and drinking alcohol on his Go to. Here. I didn't number these, but go to the. He had a great talent. Greatest uh, country writer of all time. The uh, country songwriter of all time. Go to King yeah. Creole first. Just a little bit ahead of Billy Ray here. Well, as far well, as that goes. Yeah, that was one of our first albums. I was albums. close. <laughs> now, Daddy not only had all those Hank Williams and early, early country 45s, like Webb Pierce and Johnny Cash and all that stuff, but he was also... Daddy was a young man, and he was yeah. young enough to appreciate Elvis Presley. Of course. We didn't buy this album. They bought it. Our parents bought this album for themselves. <laughs> and we just, it was one of those in their collection that we grabbed hold of. This was what, 56? Yeah. King Creole? 57. 57. The movie came out in 57. So as a four-year-old. we went and saw the movie. We saw the movie, too. Wheelers Air Force Base, mm -hmm. Tripoli, Libya, the base theater. Yeah. Then I think maybe Mama bought the album at the mm -hmm. PX. That was and we a, took it a home very and, impressive album. And to wore us. it out. We listened to it so much. Now the next one uh, is a Marty Robbins uh, album cover. 
Did it have, Marty Robbins was about gunfighter ballads. Did it have uh, big iron on his hip? Yeah, yep. it was gunfighter ballads, and it was that pink one. There you yeah. That's it. Yeah. <clears throat> big iron, cool water, Billy the Kid, 160 acres there, hanging me tonight, the master's call, strawberry roan, running gun, El Paso, in the valley, Utah Carroll, the Little Green Valley, the Hanging Tree, Saddle Tramp, and El Paso full length version. What about uh, the Shy Shy Ann? Did they have that song they, on there? They didn't have that back then. Have you ever heard that, Billy Ray? Yeah. I don't remember that one. See, it's because uh, I wrote it. And it's, oh, it's, it's one of the greatest songs of all time, and Dave's ashamed to play it. He's afraid he's going to. I'm afraid I'm going to hurt some feelings. You but know, didn't, uh, who wrote uh, uh, the, the Ballad of Ira Hayes? Who wrote that? Johnny, Johnny Cash. Johnny Cash sang it. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. You but know, anyhow, it's one of them that Marty yeah. Robbins, Frankie Lane, Johnny Cash, yeah. maybe Johnny Horton. Uh, yeah, those guys. Uh, we honed in on that. Why? Because the cowboy. It was the cowboy craze. There. The cowboy. Little boys yes. played cowboys. Yeah, we bought the hats, the chaps, the gun belts, <laughs> and uh, cow, uh, cowboy music. That was uh, right in our wheelhouse. Yeah. You mm -hmm. know? and. Uh, even before these cowboy songs, some of them were big hits. Like El Paso was number one, I'm sure, oh for a long God. time. That was my one of the most uh, impressive. But even songs. even before that, when we were when we were a lot younger than this, we watched uh, TV. 1955 was the year every American household. I bet. Yeah, bought a TV, and what was on the air? Hundreds of westerns. Yep, all the West time. Lone Ranger. Uh, so the theme, the Sky each, King. Each western show, Cisco Kid, Lone Ranger, they all yep. had a course an opening and closing theme, mm -hmm. and uh, that indoctrinated us. That was one of our first. Uh, uh, orientations with music, with music, and, uh, and the, just, the Lone Ranger. We'd never heard of Beethoven, but yeah. the Lone Ranger theme was the right. William Tell well, right. Ranger. Yeah, and it was a it was great. It we was, was getting great. culture, and we didn't even know. One it. of my exactly. favorite early ones was Tex Ritter's "Hillbilly Heaven." <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay, Remember you that? you're starting to talk about West. Traditional Western music or yeah. country Western. Yeah, I loved Hillbilly yeah. Heaven. Yeah, yeah, that was that was a charted that yeah. charted on the. And then one day, um, Mama went and bought me Peter Paul and Mary's "Blown in the Wind." Ooh, that's a good one. And I'm I'm listening to it and I'm thinking, man, I love this song. Then I look down at the bottom of the title and it says "B Dylan," <laughs> which I couldn't pronounce Dylan. And I thought, oh, wait a minute. Okay. This this guy wrote this song. Well, now first two. I'm more interested in this guy than I have the people singing it. If this guy wrote, because I love that song so much. Yeah, that was my first interest in songwriting, and I and that was pre, you know, pre Beatle. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We were pre Beatles when I'm sixty two. Talking about that, like sixty two. Marty Robbins thing. I remember going in his breakfast room. Uh, on Mount Pleasant Road, 
and playing uh, the ranger with the big iron on his hip and yep. uh, running gun. Oh, yeah. El Paso, all those Marty Robbins songs, and uh, Liberty Ballance by Gene Liberty Ballance by Pitney. Gene Pitney. Well, so here, here, here was one. Y'all just don't look and just listen. This is uh, one from the uh, James' back bedroom in probably about 63 pre-Beatles yeah. but this is just a kind of a folky folky kind of a song which folk was predominant right around those early 60s years that's right what so much a, didn't cross over into the right it, it was top one it wasn't so much of a uh, all that uh, Paul Anka and all them bobbies and stuff. What so much that style was, was a... Hell, you had the record. We all loved it. <laughs> One that we used to listen to over and over again. And the other one was uh, that we used to listen to so much was next on the list there. It was by a crooner. He wasn't really in the vein of the the Bobbies and the Fabian and all that stuff, but uh, was uh, his name was Pat Boone. <coughs> yeah, and Pat uh, Boone preceded. We, we loved this song. Yep. A one, two, three. Yeah. <laughs> I know what what you're talking about. Yeah, it was the number one hit, Woo. 1961, spring and summer. I wonder, was that on a movie or something? Moody River, more deadly than the Venus Nine. Moody River, your muddy water took my Venus Nine. Pat Boone's older than our father. Is he? Yep. Came to the old oak tree. Uh, he stands beside the river. That's what he looked like about the time that record came out, I reckon. He was a rival of uh, Elvis and Carl Perkins. Fact, yeah, he, he preceded them. Uh, he, was the, in the he, he was the... Uh, the white equivalent to all those Little Richard records and stuff. Little fact, Richard he, put he, out Tutti Frutti and, and Pat Boone would recut it for the white people. Yes, yeah. And it right. would be so white. It would, <laughs> it would remind me of the SNL, the white kids trying yeah. to sing. Uh, Not a bit of soul in it. Trying to sing Ray Charles, What Did yeah. I Say? Yeah. What did, what I, did I say? What about Running Bear? Woo, that was a good one. Yeah. <laughs> 
we, we probably had that one in our in your collection yeah. as well. And I see a little white, little dove. white dove. I think Daddy may have had that record as well. Ooh, that was some good memory right there. Now, uh, go back to that uh, album covers. And uh, the next thing we did about 64 was the Beatles. And this was Meet the Beatles. Right there, the Beatles. There yeah. That yeah, the, was the Beatles changed everything. Yeah, yep. that was six February ninth, nineteen sixty four, and then I guess we moved home to from Albany for a year, from sixty four to sixty five, and mm -hmm. that's what, when you had this album. What month did that come out? February ninth, nineteen sixty four. That album, the, the album probably came out, in, came out in January. Well, so maybe after the first Beatles song got played on December the twenty seventh in America. Sixty three. Sixty three. I want to hold your hand. Yeah, the girl, the young girl, talked the disc jockey into getting one from a friend of hers from England, a friend of his from England, mm -hmm. and he had her come and announce it. And then the, the uh, EMI went ahead and released that album, or Capital did, uh, uh, I think, January, didn't they? Yeah. Well, then since, by since February, when the Beatles played in six, on February 9th, 64, they held all five top charts on Billboard. One, two, three, four, five. The number, the number, the number one five, through five. Yeah, and, they all, um, and the entire album was on the top uh, 100. Well, see, I, I was born on February the 18th, so... I had two aunts, Aunt May and Aunt Margie, and each one of them gave me a different one, introducing no, it, and meet the Beatles. Well, so, the introducing was the D VJ copy. That was the VJ copy. That the company had actually licensed out in America because Capital didn't think anybody in America wanted to listen to the Beatles. So VJ bought the rights to release this album. But VJ was such a small company, they couldn't get an inter, you know a national distribution on it until the until the I Want to Hold yeah. Your Hand hit, and then they started distributing it until uh, Capital actually uh, stopped them. And Capital would not put them out. They had hits yeah. over in England. Capital would refuse to do anything. and They were uh -huh. the same company. In fact, right. EMI owned Capital. They had five number one hits before they released America because they didn't think Americans would like the Beatles. Yeah, it's crazy. But, but the funny thing, they let VJ and Swan label release their songs. You had two labels releasing Beatles songs, but they couldn't break them because they were so small of labels mm -hmm. until So I you got that album. Wrote. I'm wondering if we got that album from yeah. you eventually and then you ended up with it. VJ record. The VJ record. That was belonged to me. Did it? Yeah, and I I think we traded for something. I probably so. down I the line. I wondered where my albums went to. <laughs> <laughs> but that was uh, another yeah. phase that we, but after, we went uh, through there. After the first six months of 64, uh, Capital EMI stopped everybody from uh, releasing Beatles stuff. They made, I don't know how mm. they did it, but and those they were albums powerful became enough. rare. They, yeah, they stopped everybody, and only the. Capital could release Beatles stuff after that. Then a few years later, John Lennon uh, had that errant comment uh, yeah. that was n not as wow. as as bad. It was just taken out of context, especially in America, that <laughs> Americans claimed that he was saying that the Beatles were better 
than Jesus. Right. He just thing, meant that which more, was not what he was talking fame. about. Though. Yeah. Well, I mean, there's you, more people on earth now. And me and Johnny went to the burning. Well, they ago. had the Beatles burnings all over America, you know, yeah. and uh, and many many radio stations in the South, the Bible Belt, had had this big big bonfires. thing. Uh, Bonfires outside the radio station, inviting people to come Beatle down, albums, bring your Beatles albums down, and burn them, and say no to John Lennon. <laughs> yeah, you and you and one of the other original dog heels. Yeah, we went to it, Johnny uh, Bennett. In fact, rode Johnny, down on your bicycle. If you ever look at that famous picture where Ricky Jackson's <laughs> holding it out, Johnny's the one, the leg that you can see. All you can see is his leg because I'm on the other that side. That picture's of in the. Rock and roll. That's Johnny's leg stuck there, and uh, that beetle burning picture. They ain't, but they probably ain't, but about one. And Johnny got on the live radio, you know, because he always wanted to. Here's my memory of that. Yeah, Uh, we were sitting in his bedroom on Dog Hill. You and Johnny were at WAYX, in the backyard there on Carswell, where the bonfire was. That that first one down below that one, Uh right? No, on no, go back. And the uh, DJ to the right, to the right, the DJ go go uh, all the way to the right, all the way in the panel. Now go down, first one right there. That's it. Okay, well you can't see it; it's cut off there. But Johnny's leg is on the. You can't see it; it's it's been cropped here. Oh, that picture's been cropped. Yeah, Johnny's leg didn't make it to (laughs) Cleveland Rock and Roll. Supposedly, this picture is was taken in Waycross, Georgia. It was, yeah. You know the uh, W A Y S. Yeah, Ricky Jackson. You know the BBC came and got me and Ricky a few years ago and took us to the A Y X and filmed us. Did you know about that? (laughs) They were doing a documentary on this stuff, and they come to my store. The BBC did. And me well, and Ricky Jackson went in there and they filmed us in front of the station, but they've never released it. Here's the here's the laugh line, and if you knew Johnny Bennett, you, yeah, Johnny was he he was full of you know what all the time. But he always wanted that spotlight. Yeah, he liked the spotlight. Uh, we had nicknames. He wanted his nickname to be King Bennett, and it was King Bennett. <laughs> well, some of us might have called him that just to pacify him. But Ray and Johnny went to the Beatle right, the record Beatle burn. burn. Go to images. But not to burn right. Beatle albums. Not to burn them. No. They, y'all didn't take your albums And we to didn't burn. have intentions of getting any, but. But uh, the DJ was, uh, they did a live remote behind right. the yeah. station. And uh, the DJ with the long microphone cord, was it Chad Lawrence? I can't remember. You know, I don't remember his name. But he was he would interview the kids in the crowd. Yeah. And uh, you could hear off mic, you could hear a voice. The Beatles stink like the fire stinks. And the DJ said, well, son, I think that's a, a, an all-American comment. What's your name? Johnny Bennett. What do you think? Johnny Bennett. We cracked up. We yeah. were listening yep, yep. to it So live. who's the guy holding the so, album right there? That's Ricky Jackson. Ricky Jackson. They always called him Jack Rabbit. He's still now, around. Here's the real kicker. Right after Johnny said that on the air, that the Beatles stink like the fire stinks, somebody on the other side of the fire from where Johnny was frisbeed an album. Two of them. And it, 
and it skipped across the fire and landed at Johnny's feet. Well, it landed out in the dark. But what happened was uh, Johnny picked it up and put it under his shirt. <laughs> no, here's what happened. Johnny got up there and he said, "They asked him what you think about the Beatles." He said, "I think the Beatles stink," you know, like that. And then it just happened. Two albums flew across and they got outside the light, kind of in the dark. And Johnny turned around to me and he said, let's grab these and run like hell. And uh, Alice lived down there behind the station, Johnny's sister, my cousin too, you know. And that's how we done. We, we like Satchel Page, don't look back, something's gaining on you. We went through the dog fennels with two albums in our hand to Alice's house. And I had something new and he had Meet the Beatles. Look I thought them. one of them was uh, the Beatles sing in German. <laughs> no, you but remember I don't, that album? I do, but that didn't come make. get Merdina hand. Yeah, come but get you know Merdina most of the Beatles, the bur albums that were burnt, there was the radio stations album. It wasn't the kids burning their albums. <laughs> Look at those happy, determined faces. <laughs> and the next, we're doing something good. The next morning, me and Johnny and Wayne put on a Beatle tribute at uh, my house and opened the windows up and stuck the, <laughs> the speakers out of the windows so everybody would hear the Beatle music and play Beatle music all day long and tribute to them the next day. <laughs> yeah. The DJ, doesn't he look like Dick Clark? He does. I wonder if that was an out. From out of town, DJ that came up and did that. You see or, the face right in the top up there? That's Robert uh, Peacock. Which one? The very top up there. That's Robert Peacock. Right there? He played bass for the, all the bands and early That looks bands. like a girl on no, the right. No, that's Robert there. Peacock right it's there. It's like Sean on the right. Clark. That's Robert at the top right there. Right top there. right. Yeah, that's Robert. And, and it Edwin. Looks like a, I swear it and looks that's like Edwin. a girl. You see the head that it's you like can't. like a beard, bearded person. That's Robert, I'm telling okay, you. Okay, yeah. But listen. Brilla. You see the other one above the sailor's hat? Yeah. yeah. That's Edwin Peacock that married Judy. Yeah. Is that right? Yeah, that's Edwin. So that was Slick's uh, wife's first husband. Well, no, 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 Judy Price. Judy Price, my sister. Oh, oh, okay. okay. Remember Edwin you. Peacock that married Judy Price? I, remember my I got sister. you. Well, that's history, folks. <laughs> and I think Lamar, keeping up with all this? It seems like Lamar Wiles is standing right there. Yeah, I think that's Lamar Wiles right above the album. It is. Yeah. This right picture the really is shirt. in Cleveland. He's married in the rock to and roll. Uh, Betty. Hall of Fame. Uh, Harris. Harris. That's yeah. right, yeah. That's Lamar Wiles. I, How about oh, that? was a recognizable <laughs> face, yeah. Yeah. I'm thinking somebody at the Waycross Journal Herald took the picture. No, uh-uh, no. Savannah News AP come down and took it. That's oh, okay. Savannah Morning. In fact, let me tell you, there's a fuller picture. That's Johnny's <laughs> leg right there. Look at the leg behind Ricky Jackson. You see the leg? In the in the checking shorts? Well, that's Johnny Bennett. That's I'm standing Johnny. right yeah, beside Johnny. Johnny. <laughs> so his leg is in the That's him there. Yeah. But but the original picture had half of Dog Johnny's Hill. face. Dog Hill right there, folks. <laughs> History. If you ever King see the original Bennett. one before they cropped that's it. That's King Bennett's leg. The original picture yeah, was a little wider, and you can see half of Johnny's face. I remember that from years ago. Yeah. Right? Can't remember. So well, we let's were, see we what, were what else we got here with the album covers. I, here's uh, one uh, guy Lombardo. This is what we used to decorate our Christmas tree to right here. Mm. That was one of Daddy's many records in his record collection. That was a good one. Yeah, that was very childhood experience right there. Well, during okay. those days, my little granny. She was on up in age, and my aunt on the store downtown painting tile. Yeah, and, and, and uh, Aunt May would hire 
a black lady to come out there and cook twice a week and clean up to help my little granny. Mary. And Mary Taylor Mary. and her I remember husband, uh, Terry Taylor, he played drums at the Elks Club. and uh, But Mary, I would she'd say, what records you want, James? Uh, your little granny and I are going to town. And, and uh, I'd say, well, get whatever you think. And she would always have that. Influence on me, you Sam know. Cook Sam Cooke. Sam Cooke. Sam Cooke. So we used to listen to all that because of Mary's influence. How about that? Mm-hmm. That's, that's something, ain't it? And later on, and when we got a little older, Mary lived across the street from the stadium, mm-hmm. and we would go up there and give her a few bucks, and she'd walk across the street to the convenience store and get us beer and get her some. That's right, yeah. She she helped Johnny Reb convenience store. I forgot about that, wasn't it? Johnny Reb. Yeah. Johnny Reb. Yep. Well, let's, uh, moving forward here, um, well, you might have, it might have been your influence on us with her influence on you became your influence on us because we ended up buying Sam Cooke records too. How about that? Yeah. We had, uh, Several of Sam Cooke's records. You remember that one by the Marquis called Oh Last Night. <laughs> that yeah. was Donald Duck Dunn, Steve Cropper, those yeah. white boys from Memphis, Tennessee. Yeah. Yeah. And we had that one and just got strung out on it. Here's the yeah. first album that me and Gary pulled our money, first one, right there. Pulled our money together at Sears Roebuck in Albany. Frankie Valley. There we go. <laughs> Ooh, we nobody knew the name one. Frankie Valley for a couple of years. Right. They were just the four seasons. That's it. Know. He's the little one. He's the little one. Yeah. And Sherry, like Sherry wasn't on this album, but this was the Walk next like big a man, hit. Sing it like a woman. Oh, After. Man. <laughs> After Sherry. We but go. we were Sherry Baby was one of our favorites, too. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that was their first. That launched that was the first start big them. hit. And we loved that. that. So we jumped on this one when we bought it. Yeah. Now, uh, I'll have to say this. Later on in in after high school, Gary was in the service. He entered the Air Force. He didn't draft Dodge. He got a low number. I serviced my country, and I'm proud of it. And he he just <laughs> went on in. He didn't avoid it. No, but I joined the Air Force. I did not want to go to uh, Vietnam, That's which right. was all the rage. You if still you got drafted, you were right. You still might have, yeah, but been picked to go even in I the Air Force. I joined the Air Force. And Which odds. meant four years, but I didn't want to do uh, the army two years and spend one of them in in the jungle over there. Plus, our daddy was in the air force for so many years. Yeah, the, if if I had if the air force had sent me over there, I probably would have been on Tonsonute Air Force Base. Well, that I'm the last one with Adrian Cronauer. I'm Not, the last one to work yeah, county ever far right. away from the action. Is that right? Me and Johnny Tucker and Danny Howard filled the quota for Sally Cason. Did and she told us at the thing that we were the final draft yeah. in October 19, 1972, and they ended the draft on January the 1st. How about we that? were the final draft in Ware County. We you and who? Johnny Tucker and Danny Howard from Waycross. So Johnny went to Ware County. Remember Johnny? Mm-hmm. And your number was 79. 79. They I pushed know. it to 95 is what I was told. But Hey, mine was... <laughs> Yeah. I can't remember, but it was 200 or something. 
But that very first year, right? Yeah, the first yeah, year, everybody could. They took way, way. Well, they up knew the, the draft was going to end on the first of January, and the Vietnam War was going to begin the uh, official evacuation, as they called it. We're talking about the draft lottery, and there were yeah. three hundred sixty-five mm-hmm. numbers. So by the time we come out of training, you couldn't go to Vietnam mm-hmm. because the evacuation had started. Yeah. So uh, most people went to Germany. That's where Johnny and Danny, and they sent me to Fort Stewart. That's where I ended up at. Did you draw a number? Yeah, he had a high number. I remember. Are you talking to me? Yeah. The yeah. low numbers. 207. Put you in peril of Mine was drafted. about 106. Well, you would have been gone. Me and you was at South Georgia College when we all sit down in the lobby and they read our numbers out. And mine was 79 and you made fun of me. I can't remember. I remember looking bye for bye, you. <laughs> and, and, Tell Charlie, hey. <laughs> And they, he made fun of him. <laughs> he did. I, I went up to the room, went to bed. I was so upset. Watch out for them punji sticks and booby traps. <laughs> but it took a year before they drafted me. It was a year later. <laughs> well, they drafted up to 195 in the system, and right. I was 207. Yeah. And every night, Nixon would get on the TV and say, we need that next allotment number. Oh, and yeah. that would have went to 215, so I'd have been gone. I sweated it out. Yeah. Of course, my uh, grades probably would have kept me out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's yeah. what well, we Or a physical troubles. defect. <laughs> James yeah, worked. That. He worked at the post office at the college. That was one of his summer jobs. And, and little granny used to tell everybody he worked for the federal government. <laughs> well, in a manner of speaking. Yeah, I guess so. I got, to, I got to look at the first Playboys because they would come in in you know, the batches and I'd have to fold them up and stick them in everybody's. That was a big thing back oh, then. That's why I got I always got had French, French fry grease on my Miss October. But, but out, the, right? the Cooper Hall house brother didn't like me. You were. Did you? No. <laughs> we did have a panty raid there one time. And and uh, there was two people got called. It was me and a, a buddy named Ronnie Smith. And he was an RA. Yeah, they fired him. They had a trial for him. Well, he got out of it. No, they put a trial, and they actually fired him from the RA. I didn't know that. Yeah, the trial. They had a trial, and they, they took his RA uh, status from him. Well, I remember. I remember. <laughs> but you were the other one they identified because of the motorcycle. Yeah, but the girl that identified both he and I, they were <laughs> RAs, and so she knew him because they have meetings, and I went to church with her my whole life. <laughs> RA was a resident assistant. But the, the, the college student of, hated James of so some authority. She would go sit in the lobby and stare at James at the post office and and this is what James would do to her at the end of the day he would he would stare at her and he had a, a wooden door that would close at the post office and he would tap it <laughs> but what, while he was staring at what, her and just rolled she was clothes. the dorm mom and she called the law and said that man is a burglar I mean, she made it personal she made it breaking personal. and entering. Yeah, it was like, and it was a two hundred people panty raid. <laughs> we all made. We all went to South Georgia College in Douglas, except my brother Dave. He went to State mm-hmm. Georgia Southern. Georgia yeah. Southern. I lasted only one quarter there, and y'all probably lasted a lot longer than and we I went did. as long as it let us. I, yeah. I went until I got drafted. I was a junior at a two year college. Yeah. I was a junior at a two-year college. Not that I'm proud of it, but, you know, I'm not ashamed. 
Well, let's look at some of them old pictures. Uh, pull some of them old pictures up. Uh, uh, we, uh, I went uh, searching online, and uh, let's see. I, I, I just made copies of a bunch of uh, old pictures from chronological. There we go. We'll start with that one. Well, this ain't no fair. I can't see them. <laughs> we'll we'll describe them. What they look like. Hey, that's me. And, you know, let me tell you all something about that picture. That is the only picture I've ever found of me and my daddy together. You're, you on the right? you're about. Yeah, I've never found two. another picture with me and him together, ever. That's probably about 1954. And you know where that's at, don't you? Or. Right no. there, that's the Tittle Square Shopping Center right across there. That's the that's what house is that? That's dude? 82 and that's City Boulevard this way. That's Night Avenue, then. And that's where the bank sits now that's closed down. Where that White House is, the bank closed oh, down. Oh, yeah, that's On the, the old Rollerson house. That's about that. and that was our part. All you remember? youngsters, this yeah. is very near Eliano's, right? Yeah, right, yeah. Huh? So that's where Rep, Rep's Grocery was right there to the yeah, right. Yeah, that's the railroad track running across there. And that's 82 and that's City Boulevard right there. <laughs> that's what it looked like. It's about 1954. That's before they paved City Boulevard. That's Arnie City Heron Boulevard Sr. It was, was a dirt road. Holding Billy Ray Heron. Yeah. Well, you two were year old. You remember that toy in your hands? Can't even tell what it is. What, what Almost looks doing? like the Brunswick Highway's dirt. Brunswick Highway not. was actually paved. It's just a lot of dirt on it. Probably it was already paved. Yeah, so is that where like, Sin City? Looks like, yeah, Sin yeah. City would have been. Yeah, right. They would have right been the kind of facing it. Yeah, the, behind the cameraman. Sin City was a record See, store. See, my daddy was actually fifty-two when Billy I was Ray born. Heron. I was from his second marriage. He had there a marriage he is. before. Uh, he, I had two half sisters. Billy Ray Heron. Two-year-old playing with baby dolls. There it is. <laughs> or something. <laughs> it ain't a baby doll. The hell it was. I don't All know. All right. Your ears look like Greg Griffin ears. <laughs> Go ahead. They were there. And here's one about, uh, I got, I think the dates are marked on there, but I'd That's say that's probably about five. 54. Four. Four. Well, who's who there now? That's Wanda. With her back turned. With her back turned in a little dress. Gary holding the hands up to shade his eyes. That's you there. Me standing in a slouch chair and stand yeah, I see <laughs> holding that. me straight yeah. so I wouldn't flip and fold up. Yeah. Dave That's was in our backyard. Look, he's daring the sun to blind his eyes. Yeah. Everybody stands, else was. Stands looking away and Wanda's turned Everybody completely around. There you go. That was Dog Hill. It was in our backyard. Yeah. On Dog Hill. All right, now this one, yard. the reason I put this one is here because when you look behind us, you That's can Ray's see house. Crump's house, I think. Or yeah. is that? That's and, Crump's house and then, and then Ray's, Ray's house. house to the left oh, of it. Oh, yeah, sure is. It? Mm -hmm. That's our old practice house. That's the house we were talking about where Daddy oh. yanked me out that was our by practice. the collar. Yeah. Granny Crump's house became vacant. That became our band practice. This house. might have been first day of school picture or something. Everybody's dressed up. Of course, I wasn't going to school. Yeah, you and Wanda would not be going to school. Not Stanley, the tall boy, was their first cousin. Mm -hmm. And Wanda Cheshire, his sister's next in line. Yeah, they live next door to us. In the 
in the that's me in the striped vertical shirt. stripe, look me like, in the horizontal stripe. Looks like a barbershop shirt. <laughs> I had a mohawk. I mean, <laughs> and a dog heel. I don't know what Dave's got uh, on there. What's, what's that hanging under, under you there? Dave? It was it was a brown oh. part of the shirt. It's kind of like a collar yeah. or something. Okay, <laughs> Dave. Dave was always happy. Look. Yeah, he wouldn't have to go. Give to us your best. Give looked, us your best. Look at the rest of y'all. Yeah. <laughs> he always looked on the bright side of life. We'll Next. <laughs> okay. <laughs> now, the reason I put this one is here because in the background is the famous James Cock that is. house. Yeah. J.F. Lots. J.F. Lots. This was before Wayne's bedroom was built on. And we thought we were rich. Now, who all is this? Uh, this two little girls from Air Force Friend, family. they were out of town. Friends of daddy's from daddy was in the air. What's force. that look on your face, Dave? Well, you see, I'm in my underwear. First of all, <laughs> I think oh. I, I think I just <laughs> you're riding a, a lawn flamingo like it's a horse. No, huh? with sticks. See, she, 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 Sherry oh, yeah, had a sure. stick, and I had a stick horse. Okay. And, Those are uh, flamingos. Everybody though. ran around back in them days without shirts. In my case, yeah. without shirt or and shorts. Shoes. Or shoes. That's me. Oh, yeah, we hand, always barefooted back in those days. Is that Gary next year? expression yeah. on my face. So. <laughs> and I had Greg Griffin ears, too. Yeah. Like, so did Dave. <laughs> okay. There's the old famous Dog Hill Gang, early Dog Hill Gang picture. That's James. Of, of us on the style. Yeah. Crossing over in the backyard. That's Wayne at the top. And is that Wanda? Yeah. Wanda. James's older brother, Wayne Cock. Definitely with Greg. James got one eye shut. What's, it's the sun. Remember, they made James. you face the sun to take Why did they torture us? They always say, look. It, that was a common knowledge. Face the sun and the picture will take better. Well, maybe, yeah. That's true. <laughs> Light source. Yeah, James. Photography's come a long way. Let me see. Wanda's got it, too. She's kind of squinting. Yeah. Squinting. <laughs> yeah. James okay. got his right eye closed. Kind of like you do still. Same, me, I'm barefooted again. <laughs> yeah. Everybody else got shoes on. Gary's got Converse on, looks like. I look like maybe I was in the first grade. James got kids. Yeah. First grade. Me and Wayne were school kids. That's a very early picture right there of Dog Hill. This is before we would have known you. That's right. Yeah. I was too far <laughs> down the road. You were two houses down the road on the other far. side. When, it when, was just too far. When I was real young, Arnie yeah. and David Bennett. Yeah. And uh, Stanley and mm -hmm. Wayne would come down there and they would let me play because it was my yard. That's right. And what so would they play? Football. Oh, yeah. And and David, he he was really, really athletical. He and was slick. He was, good. And he he was. was like Johnny, Johnny Bennett's older brother, yeah. David. And uh uh he would always put me on his side and kind of take care of me. Right. And, but uh I never I, knew this. And yeah, I, I, I told that. this story in the, in that other podcast, but and somewhere, I don't know, I was about 12 years old, and David had just come back from Vietnam for yeah. the first tour, right. and he wow. opened up a, a bag of reefer out there and showed us. <laughs> oh, that, yeah. was, that was my first I remember witness. That. Yeah, I remember him bringing that. Because he didn't share with us, but, <laughs> yeah. wow. but, but that was that. my first memory. 
Sure do. <laughs> All right. Okay, here's another one of the – he was never in the Dog Hill game because he, I guess he just left too soon. But he was just too weird. His name was Dean Oxford. <laughs> Careful yeah. now. He, he's probably watching. <laughs> and I hope, I hope he comes down here and kicks your butt. He's a face caller. He's weird. He's on yes, Facebook. He is. Yeah, he's, following, he's following us, but he sure could catch some fish. He was my best friend, still is. Hey, That's Dean. James and Dean Oxford. He was – uh, next door neighbor on the other side of James. Whose house, house is that? that Dean's That's house. Dean Dean's, Dean's house. house. Ox. Dean's, uh, yeah. Yep. Yep. His mother and father was Gene and Glover Oxford. That fish was caught in the canal, wasn't it? Yep. And, I, across and that just goes to show you right there that I wasn't always well nourished. That's true. <laughs> you were you were a tight fit little kid there. Yep. Okay. Yeah, I just put this in there randomly. That's a picture of the Okefenokee Swamp Park boat docks, of which both of these guys worked. We sure did. <laughs> yep. And there's <laughs> some stories there. Man. They were teenagers working at the Okefenokee Swamp yeah, Park. That's the year I actually got drafted, I think. I was working there. Yeah. Well, you, you and I were coaching uh, because I remember – you That's had right. to, you yeah. had to leave and and left me and I grabbed Tommy James. That's right. To help me because you were gone. That's right. And uh, and I remember at a ball game in Memorial Stadium after the game, a big big jet flew over the field and one of them little boys and I can't remember who it was said, "Bye, Coach Heron." <laughs> that was probably me. In fact, the the one good thing we did right before we left, I discovered we had a running back that James had hid. Me and David Shields talks about this a lot now. And our memories differ on this. Here's what happened. And David even remembers this day. They're talking about rec league. Well, what it was, football. we played a couple of games and we, we couldn't, we weren't winning because we didn't have anybody run the ball. The so one day I called a practice fans. session. I said, Let's, we're going to run to Oklahoma drills and I'm going to find a running back. <laughs> Well, it's James that's got him. He's the guard, and it's David Shields, and he runs over everybody. And I looked at James. I said, James, what in the hell? He said, well, I knew if you knew he was that good, you'd take him from me. I said, shit, we'd be winning the games. <laughs> so we that's put him in. What do you mean you would take him from him? Well, because well, he, he I was the offense because oh, okay. he was defense. So okay. I take him. Okay. First game we take David to his offense, and we beat the hell out of everybody. You put the ball in David's hand, he run over everybody. Well, this here's, is David Shields, father of Trey Shields. And, here's and what he I remember. being probably Georgia Southern's greatest running back. I think Eric Russell even said that, didn't he? Well, he was the fastest. <laughs> Eagle. Here's yeah. what I remember during that first year. During our little league, they <laughs> they always made us go out there with the boys in shorts and uh, no helmets. They all they could do was just run around and yeah. get acclimated. And the first day we was out there, we run them and see who was the fastest. Right. And David and Todd Veal were the two fastest right. players there. They sure were. And I asked David, I. I said, have you ever played football? He said, yes, sir. I was a guard at Wakona. How about that? And I, I, never I said, that. you ain't no more. And that's what I remembered. But the, the but, but David remembers that Oklahoma Drills Day. He told me himself, because he comes see me at the store. He's right, friendly. right. He told me, he said, I remember the day you did the Oklahoma Drills. And, and he said, I remember 
that's what he went to the backfield. He remembers that day. Well, here's here's the other thing I remember. The first game we played was against like Wakona. Yeah. And our little boys hadn't won a game in three years when we took over. Yeah. And uh, they beat us like seven to nothing or something. And then the next game we played maybe William Heights yeah. and they they beat us by hair. But that next game, yeah. it, we played a, a not near as talented team, and we kicked their butt. Well, I remember you sent me uh, clippings <laughs> while I was in basic trainings, and, and David was just beating the hell out of everybody. Yeah, I, I David got Shields, husband of Sophie. I don't know how in the back hell. I don't know how in the hell Okie boat played. Pictures stirred all them football <laughs> memories. <laughs> now y'all dressed up there now. This man. was Easter. I can't remember what year, but that's. Deb's two, so it's 62. Yeah, me and Gary and Deb, our little sister Deb, who was born when we lived in Tripoli, Libya. That's in James's. That is in James's. We went over there evidently before or after church to take a a picture, and that's probably uh, 80. I like that state-of-the-art TV. (laughs) Well, that's James's house right there. There's the old white chair. Uh-huh. See that old, directional antenna thing mm, on the yeah, top of the The directional TV. antenna, which was common on all of them. Well, there's I kept you about to go outside the To the right side of the front door, there's a thermometer hanging on the wall. What's that smile on your face there, Dave? <laughs> was, he was always, I was always giving all I had. <laughs> I mean, Gary just looks like normal. He's all right. And you got this. I'm just, uh, I'm blinking and smiling big. Now, if I I guess, my eyes were open... It would been all right. But. All Griffins had those ears back then. <laughs> <laughs> Gregs were even more prominent. Deb, Deb looks like little granny in that picture. <laughs> yep, no relation, but she does. <laughs> yeah. All, all dressed up. Nowhere it's to go. It's baby sister. She's now yeah. 62. Yep. Uh, Hush okay. your mouth. <laughs> Sorry, Debbie. <laughs> hey, can I say – Just go ahead. pointing out this was a long time ago. Go ahead. Uh, Dave went out to Greg's house and got some stuff from his wife. Mm-hmm. And uh, before we had this today, we were going to do another one, and he was going to be in it. Really? But we didn't know he – yeah, we were definitely planning one of these uh, podcasts with everybody. I didn't know that. And, and old Slick told me, he said, I tell you, James, I'm, I'm having dental problems. I, you know, I got to do this. And uh, he says, I ain't, I ain't got many teeth left. And he says, if I go, I think I'm going to bring a corn cob pipe and bring my old Georgia Bulldog hat and turn it over to one side and, and try to sound like a hillbilly. <laughs> <laughs> and we, we laughed and talked about that thing. Uh-huh. And and his wife told me the other day, she, she said uh, mm. that he loved them Georgia Bulldogs so much I know that yeah. for the last couple of years, he wore the same socks, the same <laughs> underwear, well. the same pants and well, the same she gave shirt me, she gave me the hat or loaned me i not oh, gave sweet. me she uh-huh. loaned me the hat which is hanging on our uh caution light up there and the shirt which is hanging right back here behind me and ray and uh i told her that we we didn't want his underwear <laughs> <laughs> but the thing was he wore the 
This was the lucky. That was the lucky hat and the lucky on game shirt. Day, the very on same game day sock. of yep. every Georgia Bulldog very game. Very same underwear. And I think we mentioned this early on that this is his old trench coat. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. He was and, a trench coat uh, man. He was slick. He was slick even when he was yeah. fishing. Look at that. That's a perfectly pressed James, khaki shirt. Do you remember when when Greg came home from Atlanta? One weekend, and he he had hashish. <laughs> yes, hashish. I do. And he told and he, me and you and him drove down to uh, where the golf course is at now in Blackshear. Used to be old dirt roads. Hacklebarney, ain't that? Yeah, when we drove down there and smoked his hash, which I'd never smoked uh, anything that strong. We came out uh, quite stoned. We drove to the burger shift. We all went inside the burger ship, ordered hamburgers and french fries, and James and Greg went into a laughing spell and started rolling all over the tables in there. And I thought we was going to be arrested, so I left my burnt my food in there and went and got in the truck. And, and they came out all like, you know, what's wrong with you? I said, whoa, hell. The burger ship was the place to be. It's about where Jerry J's on Plant Avenue. I got was. a picture of that in there somewhere. Yeah. Well, I'll say yeah. this. The next morning, uh, everybody that was going to school skipped school and came to my house over behind the stadium at 903 Clifton Grove, and Mama worked 7 to 3. So Greg brought that stuff in there, and we hit up on that thing that morning <laughs> about 8 o'clock. And when Mama got off work at Got home about three thirty. We were still messed up. That oh, was God. the baddest stuff I ever run across. Do you remember the time me and you decided to drink some Calvert's liquor straight? Yes, I do. We bought us two half pints, and we sit in James's house, that? and we drank two half pints apiece. But that wasn't enough. We said we needed two more half pints, so we went where we got it, Blackies or somewhere State yeah. Street. We got two more half pints. We drank every bit of that. And I don't know how we drove, but we drove to the tobacco warehouses over where food lines <laughs> built. You now. drove. I drove. And we ended up in the tobacco warehouses jumping on Randy Harrell's bells he was pushing. <laughs> the next morning we woke up, my car was parked 45 degree angle in a. In that dirt road in front of your house, mm -hmm. and, and Oxford, you could see where my car was headed to the fence, and either me or you grabbed the steering wheel and turned it, <laughs> and it come back out and it was parked like this. We get up the next morning, and remember what our chore was? Uh -uh. Try to find your tooth. <laughs> you had lost your tooth in the house somewhere. James had a false tooth. I got knocked out playing football. Since he was 15, I think. But I'll, I'll say this. When we went to the tobacco warehouse, we were going to go get a job. <laughs> and I remember laying on one of them tobacco, what do you call them things, them dollies? Yeah. Yeah, Randy was pushing it. I think I was working as well. You might have been. I was you laying there on my back, and that boss man came up there, and he said, what do you want? <laughs> and I said, I want a job. <laughs> and he said, you come back tomorrow, and I'll give you one. <laughs> But I couldn't take anybody. I couldn't go back the next day. I was so hungover. That's was it that little curly headed man from Export Tobacco Company? I don't know, but I didn't Remember like Mr. Shoe. I didn't like <laughs> liquor. Yeah. yeah, Mr. Shoe hired me the next year, the year I got drafted. Actually, Mr. Shoe 
hired me to drive the truck from the warehouse to the boxcar. And it was a nice truck with air conditioner radio. And he said, but you have to either load or unload. That's the deal. You got to load or unload from the warehouse to the boxcar. Well, I told the load, the boxcar people I was unloading, and I told the warehouse people I was load, uh, loading. So I rode the whole summer in the truck. And Mr. Shu told me at the end of the summer, because we went out to his motel room out there at Carl King's motel, he said, I know what you did, son. <laughs> I, I would have done the same thing. <laughs> every summer, we were like college age. Every summer, we'd get a you know, pretty pretty good job, like at the plywood plant or somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. And then we, after a month of that, we'd get tired and we'd be hankering to go to Fernandina for a week. So we'd quit. Yeah. yeah. And we'd tell our parents, well, we're just going to wait till the tobacco warehouse opens in early August. And that's what we did. That, that was always our fallback uh, job. And that, that year, Ray's talking about it, was our senior year in high school. And uh, I was going to play football for work, and Ray was going to play. And, yeah. and uh, we was an all-white crew. And over next to us was an all-white crew. I mean, all-black crew. And the foreman over there, which we thought was the foreman, was a man amongst boys, and his name was Doyle Orange. Oh, uh, yeah. And we didn't know that yeah. we were going to have to play against him that, was that year before, because yeah. they uh, integrated. Yeah. yeah. Doyle Orange was one of the greatest running backs in Waycross. For Waycross High School. Uh, yeah. We thought he was and later professionally. We I'm, thought he was thirty years old. You know, he just oh yeah, he might have been age as y'all. Could have <laughs> been. Could have been. <laughs> I, I'll tell you this story. We were on one big truck loading it up, where they back up against the warehouse, and they stack them up real high, and the trucks was real high to start with. Yeah, and we we were stacking that tobacco and them sheets up there, and the next. To us was Doyle Orange's bunch, and one of them black guys was up on the very tip top, and he slipped and fell straight backwards and landed on his back out there on that dirt hard concrete, yeah. and we thought he died. So we were like, "Oh my God, what's what's wrong?" And all them other black guys on that, they were just laughing and crying, and nobody went to help him. And he just he just finally kind of come to and rolled over under the shade of the truck, and later got up. I don't remember. That. Oh, I remember. My. I don't know if I was there, but I remember hearing about it. Oh, well, I thought about, he was dead. How about the root patches? Oh my goodness! That's that'll here take a whole uh, three original root patches. Right be here. another episode. <laughs> who, who was the MVP? The most well, valuable picker. Well, was was Dixie Road Builders? What I remember is that. We didn't do any more than we had to because Red was being watched all the time, remember? Uh-huh. Because they come in there and told Red. Out. They told Red, the, they're watching you. So Red worked the whole time, and we didn't. <laughs> the company was having to uh, the pull was, roots yeah. up out of the dirt soil yeah. for them to come through and pave the Dixie roads. Road builders. A couple times, Georgia. Was okay. Paving the dirt road, and then 
in uh, Bacon County. Scuffle Town. Y'all had yeah. Scuffle Town the, route. Cleared the roots out. I remember and James holding one to, route all day long. They were going to widen the the dirt road and pave it, and on the right-of-ways, they cleared it. There was roots <laughs> left. We were root pickers. Our job was uh-huh. to, to uh, yeah. pull the roots up, pick them up off the ground, pile them, them up. They pile, and they come by and burn them. There were millions of roots. I mean, uh one time James had one Rudy held all day long. It wasn't. It didn't come out of the ground. And every time somebody come by, James was pulling on the same root. <laughs> well, I'd go a circle. I like, like I was pulling on it, and I'd come Our back. Bosses would leave us out there under an honor system, and about once a, every thirty minutes, one of them would drive by in a pickup truck. Check uh, us. One of our friends, Red. He was the only one that really tried to do an honest day's because work because they said they were watching him. Remember, but but. <laughs> For some reason, they thought he was the sluffer offer. <laughs> so he was in fear of losing his job. So we finally influenced him to do no more than we would. Yeah. But he would stand out on the road and, and watch keep, for those trucks. Which helped us. He was our lookout. What would y'all do? Lay would would be sitting. We'd be sitting on a stump. One had one stump I sit on. One time, there was a big sign, your state taxes at work, <laughs> and that was the only shade. Well, my son got on the other side, so we went over and laid in the shade, and, and cars would go by and blow their horn well, out. That's aggravated. Well, that was the day we had sighted. It didn't matter. Yeah. Because you started talking about water melons at home. <laughs> and we said, you know what? Oh, we don't care if we get fired. So we left work early, went to James' house to eat watermelons. The only thing that saved us was W.L. caught the woods on fire. Remember old W.L.? Yes, W.L. Corbett. He got the wood, caught the woods on fire above us, and everybody had to go try to put the uh, fire out. They didn't know we had left two or three hours earlier, so we still had our jobs. When he <laughs> so we got that back that next morning. Y'all couldn't they said, get fired even after trying. <laughs> we got back that next morning. They said, where were y'all? We had to work till 11 o'clock putting out that fire. And then, and then another time, one of our bosses was down there, and he was at a road grader, and he was broke his neck. He was mashing down little pine trees, little small saplings, yeah. and one of them flipped around there and come through the thing and and popped him in the neck and mm-hmm. broke his neck. Mm-hmm. So he, he he crawled to his truck. He crawled to his truck and started mm-hmm. flashing his lights, and yeah. we said. Oh, the boss says we can go home. So we called tail and left him out there with a broke neck. What was his name? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Dave Thrift's the only old boss that I can remember. Yeah. Dave, well, you know, remember Dave Thrift with I, a cigar? I quit first, I think. It was, or did you quit first? You quit first. And they told me to tell you not to ever come back. And I quit the next day, and they told Gary to tell me not to ever come back. I stayed, me and Danny. Uh, yeah. Danny, what's his name? Heron. 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 He got beer caught. I almost did. They had us filling up bags of riffraff. I mean, riffraff. That's riffraff. when you quit after that, wasn't it? Yeah. You remember, you remember when the guys from those Bacon County guys started wanting to fight us and we all mm-hmm. started walking and I told you I knew where a fellow was they wouldn't want to mess with you know who Ed it was Dallin. it Ed was Ed Dallin. Dallin yeah Ed had a crew coach, around the coach corner Dallin. yeah Coach Dallin and these these, these rednecks from Scuffletown was wanting to fight us and we started moving our crew toward Ed and we rounded the corner and Ed was standing over with his crew and they were just running their mouth and I remember when they come around the corner Ed said what y'all boys want 
And they stopped dead in their track. And they said, uh, uh, nothing. So, uh, nothing, sir. Yeah. <laughs> hey, well, if, if any of this makes a final edit, <laughs> all names are fictitious. <laughs> do not represent any dead or living person. Well, we, we've been in here almost two hours, so I'm sure this ain't going to be one episode. This is bound, <laughs> bound to be two or maybe partial deep end or something. But if we're going to do a deep end, uh, 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 we're going to have to change the light to red, <laughs> and I'm going to have to put on another hat because it gets deep. I'm telling you. <laughs> Yeah. Well, uh, yeah, we did have a lot of jobs, you know, and I'm y'all. Y'all were always leading the way. I was three years behind, and uh, but I remember we worked in tobacco a lot. Yeah, certain summers we were suckering. One time, I think that might have been Greg included in on that too. Yeah, he, he did. He was. Yeah, but him and James would like to play hooky if they could. <laughs> I am going out in them fields on Central Avenue. Yeah. You remember, who was the uh, hardest to pick peaches that time? You remember? I don't remember, don't remember that. that. Out there uh, on Central Avenue, that peach. That's that's a itchy job. Yeah, we picked peaches. Peaches is itchy. I thought y'all were in on that. I don't think I, I was. was no. I thought they got everybody in the neighborhood picking peaches. Uh, I remember one time... This wasn't a job, but uh, our parents and Greg's parents took us all out to uh, Pea Patch, probably in Wearsboro or out off the Manor, what? Yeah, toward yeah, Manor. Out towards Manor. <laughs> and me and Greg was out there doing our best to uh, help them out. We were all teenagers by then, high it school was, probably. It was Bean, green beans, green wasn't it? beans. Yeah. Pick your own, I think. One of those deals. Yes. And they gave us each a bucket and expected us. <laughs> so we we piled around. The three of us just piled around one bucket, or maybe just the same spot. And they were moving on down other rows. You know, they were not too far from us. So 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 we we might have been out of earshot. <laughs> But they could tell, because Greg was always funny as hell. Greg would get off on these uh, crazy uh, uh, fantasies or and voices and stuff, and he'd get me and Gary to go and, and laughing so hard, and our parents would turn out and look at us like that. <laughs> On this day, he was making fun of the farmer, wasn't he? The farmer that uh, was out there talking to our parents as they picked his green yeah. beans. He's a big old man in overalls, you know. <laughs> Greg, Greg could say something. <laughs> Bonsoir, fat <fellow. laughs> Bonsoir, fat around. It's silly as hell. <laughs> But uh, you'd have to bend there. You know, the funny thing. would crack us up, though. Greg could crack us up. Greg, Greg could crack us up. Greg's famous rolling block. We all figured it out, and did it work on us? It's like Gary said, we could you jump just over, step but, over. But everybody else that showed up out there had never seen it before. It, it just flipped them. Greg I mean, was I've bigger than most of us. He, turn he could have blocked us. <laughs> yeah. Standard stand how up far, block. How far out would he how, start the road? <laughs> about five feet from him. Telegraph yeah. it way 
early. I mean, it, was a total, was, it was a total roll. Ball, ball carrier just wait till he went into the roll and just jump over. Yeah, and it worked if you had never seen it coming. And talking about these trench coats, some days we'd be playing in the pasture and it'd be cold weather. Well, Greg had something similar to this. We called them car coats. Yeah. yeah. He had one of them old gray car coats. Yeah. Yeah. They were big and bulky and Hey, we we were little eight, nine, ten year old boys. Uh, it was gray and big and bulky, and it went all the way down to your knees, you know. And uh, it was uh, similar to a trench coat, I guess, but uh, it was more of a conventional winter coat, gray and fuzzy, yeah. whatever it was made out of. It almost had like a double breast. It had a row of buttons down here with these straps and. <laughs> Strap, button the strap over on the other breast. You know, yeah. they had about five of those up and down. We we had them too. Uh, yeah, we had a picture coats. of Santa Claus. Yeah. We were all in when we. Yeah, were. but I don't think our parents made us wear them to the football pasture. <laughs> Big Joe must have told Greg, don't you take this coat off. It's cold out there. It was cold back in them days. Oh, yeah, Our yeah. winters was cold when we yeah. were young. I can still see him in that gray coat rolling like a, <laughs> almost like a bowling ball, you know. It was a perfect roll, though. It was like yeah, a, it was a he, would, he would hold his body like a roll. You know? I give him credits for the roll. Yeah. It was well done. But it, he never blocked anybody. Well, he couldn't us because we seen it coming, but. He he could put the Birch brothers on the ground in a heartbeat because they didn't see it. Because <laughs> they now, don't remember that, of course. After about uh, three or four years of us playing three-on-three, three, three-man yeah. football, it was always me, Dave, and James right. against Ray, Greg, and Johnny. Yep. Uh, we started getting good. So then we, put a we one were team about together. 13, 14 years old. We would – Stand off against other neighborhood mm. teams. You we know? never mm. won. Everybody, then we had six, yeah. we had, six um, on a team. We or had sometimes a mighty team at that point. Yeah. When Tom we had Freeman speed or somebody and, would come We had in. speed and. Well, we knew the field. Heft. If James wanted us to be in the corner, we were in the corner. <laughs> Nobody could beat you on your yeah, field. James was always quarterback. Yeah. And uh, I don't remember what much I did. I could probably catch a ball pretty good. Yeah. You yeah. did. <laughs> you sure yeah. did. We won. You also we, caught an elbow one. I don't remember us losing, but. Oh, James, it was Gary's elbow knocked you out, wasn't it? That's right. <laughs> I swung around there and hit Dave with my knuckle. That, my knuckle hurt for six months. Got me in the eye. went down like Joe Frazier. <laughs> down went Frazier. Here's what happened. We grew, we, by the time we were 16, 17, playing without pads or helmets, uh, yeah. every game somebody would get hurt. Yeah, great. Bone. Bone. You know? That's right. Uh, I'm the only one that escaped serious injury. I remember Rickerson hit that fence post at a very deep back corner back there and busted his knee wide open. You remember that? I remember I somebody. I thought that was at Reed's pasture. That was but. Rickerson, though. And Bob Cannon claimed he got knocked out, but I think he was faking it. Yeah. <laughs> he fake fainted. And yeah. we said, well, call 911. Then he was, oh, yeah. oh, wait, oh, man. 
But, but now the Marine, Marine did get his leg broke. Did you try to claim he, his leg was out of joint? He he, he said, uh, James, oh. James had he holding that fence, that post at the shoulder. Yeah. He, James he said, never pulling the man's broke leg. He said, it's only jammed. Y'all got to pull it. He pull was it. the one that wanted just to pull yeah, it. Yeah, we pulled it out there on the field. We we migrated up there to the uh no, we went to the slime, slime. board first, okay. and he held on. And said, Y'all jerk it. And we took turns jerking on his leg. And then we went <laughs> on up to the shelter where he, he stretched out around a, a support <laughs> post. And lo and behold, he was supposed to go in the Marines like the yeah. next day or two. Right. But it was broke. It was broke. It probably was broke more. <laughs> you pulling. No doubt. No, I wasn't the only one that pulled it. Even, I'd pull on it and he'd say, oh, don't quit because it was hurting him more. It'll go back in socket. It'll get back into socket. Well, he was he he picked the right uh, yeah. uh, field to go into. <laughs> only a Marine could have took that. Who was that guy or who brought him <laughs> over? There? He only came one time with somebody. I don't know. <laughs> Well, let's go ahead to the tale of the week. And normally I'll read one from my story, but we're going to hear from the real writer in this, in this, in this gang. I'm going to make me another drink. Huh? Well, we'll we'll just take a little short break then and be right back. If we're going to finish talking, I'm going to make another drink. Something in my brain won't let me stray Something in my veins gonna find its way Something in the water taught me how to pray When the cold black water finds its way into your veins You'll never be the same well, folks, we are back, and uh, as we said before, we're going to do a little tale of the week, and uh, as I was saying, the real writer is in the room. <laughs> and but you, but you wrote for Lines and Shatters, and I never did. I did write for Lines and Shatters. Mass media. And the Gabby Gab. Back in high school, but I was always following in my brother's footsteps. Oh, I don't and they, so. they, wow. I, they was big shoes to fill. He was the pioneer. Yep, he was the pioneer, led the way, worked for, he was the uh, high school editor, his college editor at uh, Red and Black University of Georgia. Then he started get graduated, getting jobs down here, yep. Thomasville, and uh, then finally moved back home to Waycross and ended up the managing editor down there. But you're a published writer, <laughs> and he here's the real writer. He I'm, led I'm the a, way. He's a published writer of cocktails. I'm a, a want to be. I wish I. Yeah. Well, My, here's the real writer. Here's a real writer. He, well, he, he got published songs with Lowry music. Yeah. 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 Well, Dave does too. What are the odds? What are the odds on that? What is it? The guy's brother? That's his brother. Uh, <laughs> songwriting partner. Yeah. What is the guy's brother? Uh, <laughs> Larry King still was confused, wasn't he? Well, uh, amazing as it seems that uh, Dog Hill did turn out some writers. <laughs> I think we can all agree well, on that. But you live on Dog this Hill, time, you got to write something. For this special Dog Hill episode, we're going to let Gary take the uh, 
take the tale of the week. This is more or less uh what history lesson on the Dog Hill gang and a tribute to Greg Slick Griffin. There he is. Amen. On July 25th, Greg Griffin departed for greener pastures. Forty days later, the Georgia Bulldogs kicked off the 2022 football season with an extremely good shot at repeating as national champions. I'm so sorry that Greg won't be here to enjoy the thrill. He certainly did love the 2021 championship ride. Shoot. Greg loved all the Bulldog teams down through the past 40 or more football seasons. The good ones, the bad ones, mediocre. Nope, they were nearly all good or great. Very few were mediocre. And I guess Greg regarded that not one single season was what you'd call a bad one. But while we who remain live and die by the ebbs and flows of mailman Stetson Bennett and his Athens buddies, Greg is living something so much larger. I don't know if there's football in heaven. I rather believe there is. If God grants us the desires of our heart here in God's kingdom on earth, why would he not? And even more so in the land where time is no more and where we'll never grow old. Whatever, if there's no football in heaven, there'll be something so much better. Football was probably our most favorite hobby, pastime, coming-of-age occupation, growing up on Dog Hill. Dog Hill was our neighborhood on Mount Pleasant Road, Waycross, Georgia. Our gang, the Dog Hill gang, consisted of Greg Slick Griffin. There he is. James Cock. Ray Heron. Johnny Bennett. And my brother Dave Griffin and I. James lived next door to us Griffins, and Greg's house was directly across the road from James's. We lived on the peak of Dog Hill. Ray's house was only a couple of doors west of Greg's. Johnny's family lived a little bit further down the summit. There were others, the Thornton brothers, Wayne Williams, Dean Oxford, our cousin Stan Cheshire, James's brother Wayne, Ray's brother Arnie, Greg's brother Joey, Mm -hmm. and a couple of others come to mind. But our six was a tight knot of friendship. Stanley Cheshire and Wayne Cock were enough older than us Mm -hmm. that they didn't qualify. The same for Joey and Arnie. Mm -hmm. Wayne Williams and the Thornton boys and Dean Oxford were in and out, so to speak, of our circle, and that disqualified them (laughs) from being bona fide Dog Hill gangers. That's right. That's right. Then there were the Dog Hill girls. (laughs) There were. Pretty as pictures and just as appealing as speckled bird dog puppies. We dreamed about being more than just friends with some of them. But then again, they were almost more like sisters, almost, mm-hmm. than friends. They were Dog Hill kin, the same way we guys were Dog Hill brethren. 
We were all shaped by the culture of the 1960s and by other forces which have affected all generations down through time. We had our music, movies, baseball, basketball, cars, the burger chef, and more. Enjoying together the whirling blur of the experience as it molded our growing psyches. Two, there were alcohol and other forbidden intoxicants. There we go. Playboy magazine included. And we were into these ahead of schedule, ahead of the norm. Then again, we were more mature, a cut above the norm for youngins of our age. We truly were. Maybe that's why we were able to weather life so far and live through it. I will qualify that by mentioning that Johnny didn't quite live through it. Mm -hmm. He's been gone for years. Greg, on the other hand, lived through it. He and we who survive are all being 70 years old, roughly. That qualifies us to claim cause of death, old age, no matter how we will we go. wind up going. Greg had medical issues. If he'd had better doctrine, he'd still be here. But what does that matter now? Anyway, he's waiting for us all in glory. What could be finer than that? I reckon that football was the main constant in our lives mm -hmm. back then and today as well. Watching college and NFL games on the tube and listening to Larry Munson on the radio, those were huge. Waiting for Paul Robinson's Journal Herald High School football preview to be delivered by the paper boy was a sacred ritual. Mm. From about age nine through about 18, no kidding, we played Sandlot football on James's back pasture. It was a passion with us. Most Saturdays it would be me, Dave, and James versus Greg, Ray, and Johnny. Three-man football, tackle, no pads, no helmets. Two-hand touch was for sissies. We practiced, we played, we honed our craft. We became pretty good. As we grew up, we began to take on teams from other neighborhoods. We normally won. In fact, in my memory, we turned back every single challenge. <laughs> Sam and Bob Birch, who 12 years later when they were age 30 opened up the Birch Brothers weightlifting gym, brought their neighborhood team into our territory, J.F. Lott's Memorial Football Pasture. Here's Big Granny. Mr. Lotz, that was James's granddaddy, Big Fer Granny. Fertilizer salesman. Fertilizer salesman who founded the Dog Hill neighborhood. We were really like boys against men that afternoon against the Birch Brothers weightlifters. They was big boys. <laughs> <laughs> they were big boys and they wore brogan boots while we played barefooted. But Dog Hill prevailed mm -hmm. in a close game. It was a great triumph. Mm -hmm. My cousin Larry Wiles, Clarence Gooden, Greg McGahey, and company visited for a match. We were victorious over the Williams Heights team that day mm -hmm. and a month later on their turf, Bit Tanner Field, in a rematch. Mm -hmm. Gilchrist Park's team, Sam Hanley and Greg Haynes among them, proved to be a worthy adversary. 
but Dog Hill won. Winona Park, featuring Charles Corbett and Larry Rickson, went down in a fiery blaze. Sunnyside brought in their team, which fought hard to no avail. A half dozen of Hebbardville's finest, Frank Bristow, Doug Branch, and Virgil Huggins included. They tried us. Their best effort ended in disappointment, mm -hmm. but they got over it with the healing passage of time. Mm -hmm. Dog Hill's geographical rival, mm -hmm. the Reed's Pasture Gang, could never solve the Dog Hill run-pass mm -mm. option. Mm -mm. Al O'Quinn, Bob Cannon, Johnny Highsmith, they were game fighters. They earned the respect of Dog Hill. They just wound up on the wrong end of the scoreboard. There we go. We absolutely loved the sport. But tackle football with no safety equipment led to stitches, mm -hmm. splints, casts, mm -hmm. and medical treatment, mm -hmm. especially when we grew into young high school bucks. We eventually quit playing, or maybe we just grew up and moved out and moved on, most of us to college, then the military. Greg Slick Griffin, he went straight from high school to a corporate world career and moved to Atlanta. He made the drive back home to Dog Hill on weekends, wearing coat and tie and sporting a man perm haircut, much in the style of Paul McCartney. Look at there. I guess that's when we started calling our city slicker buddy Slick. He was. Greg and the rest of us had our youthful travels, but we've spent most of our adulthood back here in Waycross. Ray even still lives on Dog Hill. I say adulthood. That's a funny word. Because in every way, I think my Dog Hill brothers will agree, we've still yet to grow up into that stage that's marked by responsibility. <laughs> even though we're roughly 70 years old now, we might cast that years. responsible image to others, or at least try to, but it's just a facade. We're still having way too much fun to even consider growing up. We'll see you later, sooner or later, Greg. Yep. Meantime, keep sharp. Tighten up your game now that you have your immortal resurrected body. Rolling block. Practice your rolling body block there, buddy. Son, I'm telling you. You and Johnny Bennett best brush up on the old speed sweep because the rest of Dog Hills are coming. <laughs> Amen. I guarantee you, if they got football in heaven, Greg's a top body Ooh. block roller right now. <laughs> no no doubt. Greg would start 15 was, foot out on you. His awesome. whole body would be rolling. That, that was an awesome tribute. That was an awesome tick. Mm -hmm. and, if, and, if, and if you didn't see it coming, it would put you down. Folks, we, that wow. is that is a surefire synopsis of what we, <laughs> how we grew up right there, and it was a, a glorious tribute to our uh, yeah. dear dear dog hill buddy. It was so Gregory Wayne Griffin. Who just passed away Man, earlier this year? No better friend. I yeah, sure wish he, he could was, have been in on fine, this. Year. He was a fine, fine man. That's that's us in 1998. Old that's Griffin, all, at him here. that's all five of us. That's slick on the far right. Old Griffin. That's uh, James Sharkey.
Cock on the left, Gary Tick Griffin, Billy Ray Heron, myself, <laughs> and Greg Slick Griffin. They call me Birdleg. <laughs> in a, you know why they call me Great White Heron? Don't you? In, in, high, in junior baseball, do you ever know why? Because <clears throat> Mama bleached my uniform. You remember? Number five. I was standing out there with a damn white uniform. Everybody else had a red uniform because Mama thought every, bleach cured everything. So they started calling me the great white heron because my uniform was white. And once they got the great white heron, the bird analogy, well, they just looked at his legs and said bird legs. You know, as far as music, Dog Hill music, some of y'all, uh, rode that tide and still riding it. Mm -hmm. uh, some of us others never, never did. And that, I guess, including Greg. But you know, I was thinking, uh, it takes a good music appreciator to make the circuit. Yeah, Otherwise, yeah. why well, have musicians <clears throat> if you if you don't have an audience? Is what I'm driving at. Recently, uh -huh. I would call up old Slick, and he'd be listening to the. Moody Blues. Uh -huh. I mean, he never stopped listening he to loved that old. To James's point, buddy. that's my point. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. We, I know it. We loved music, and as we've already talked about tonight, right. uh, no uh, doubt. we grew up uh, from Patty Page and Tennessee Ernie Ford, Perry Como, Pat Boone, Elvis, and then going forward to the Beatles and everybody else. And uh, I wanted to say, uh, Greg loved music. I don't know why. We always kind of sort of seemed like we were kind of pranking Greg, but I can remember Christmas time, we might have uh, bought a present. Think about those little 45s uh -huh. for our friends. Well, we gave Greg a copy of the Royal Guardsman Snoopy and the, <laughs> and Red, the Red Baron's Bear. Christmas. Or, you remember that? You remember that single? Oh, yeah. I remember the single. I don't remember <clears throat> giving him that. Though. It was called Christmas Bells or something <laughs> like that. I remember that. Snoopy and the Red Baron on Christmas Eve, they, instead mm -hmm. of doing battle, dog fighting in the sky, they landed. Right. And popped a cork and <laughs> drank a toast. Yeah. And they went back to the war. Yeah. Well, we gave you and I, Dave, gave it to Greg on Christmas Eve night in our bedroom, it seems like. Yeah. And we gave it to him and he unwrapped it and we started snickering right away. And Greg got, almost got emotional. He said, I really like this. I really like this. So he's like, I don't know what to say, boys. I, <laughs> that would have been about thank, thank you. 65 Royal or 66. Royal but that was Greg. He was, yeah. <clears throat> he was tenderhearted. Yeah, he was, and he and he appreciated. Uh, oh, he appreciated Greg. a good friendship, and yeah. uh, there wasn't a better friend, you know, coming from his direction yeah. to you. All right. If you Absolutely. had him for a friend, then uh, you couldn't get a better friend. That's right. And, and that's Greg Slick Griffin. Yep. Uh, uh, yeah. We we're gonna. We miss him terribly. We're going to miss him yeah, terribly, but he's left behind his dear wife, Judy, who loaned us some of his, that's his treasured Georgia Bulldog uh, shirt and hat and the old trench coat that he, we 
all became known to be synonymous with to us. She also gave me something that uh, uh, I'm going to give to James now, and I know he's talked about it with her, but this was a special keepsake that she wanted James to have, and this is uh, Greg's Georgia Bulldog keychain. And uh, Well, he's I'm an gonna, Alabama fan. He'll flush that. This, I'm going to give this to oh, the Alabama hey, fan. I thank you. And there's a little holder for it. And uh, now you got to be a least some Georgia fan at least. Well, let me say it like this: okay. of all the Bulldog friends I've had, Greg has always been the most genuine. Okay. And, and uh, just right. he's just been Greg. Yeah. And I, I'm I'm gonna say this about Judy, and I hope she don't mind me saying this, but in a recent conversation with her. We knew Greg was going down, and, right. and she said, I know how he's looked after me all these years. And so when he started falling and stumbling and just right. health got, got him down, she said, I went and bought some of them TV trays to put over his bed. She said, because I would never put him in a nursing home. She that? said, I was going to take care of him just yeah. like he's always taking care of me. And so that? I'm so glad that Greg had a good wife mm -hmm. because he deserved it. Sure. I really That's believe right. that. Amen. He uh, he had has had a good wife. And I'm not saying that <clears throat> lightly. Judy has been a devoted wife yeah. to yeah, him. I believe and, that, uh, She's well, even in death, Greg was taking care of her because I think James told me this story. Yeah, Judy said, I, you know, when he passed, it was so sudden. They went down to Jacksonville, and, and it was just over, really, so, so sudden. Mm -hmm. And she said, I didn't know what I was going to do with Social Security, insurance, all, all the things that a, a spouse is right. left to deal with. And she said, I went in there to a drawer where we kept all our papers and stuff. And she said, I do not know when he did this, but on the top of all the paperwork was a note, and it said, this is what you do. And it was step by step how to handle this situation when yep. I'm gone. And yep. she said, so even in death, he was looking after her. How about that? How about that? That's our boy. I didn't know he was in that bad of shape myself. Yeah, it was, it was it a sad. Came, it came rather quickly. And and I firmly believe this, and I hate to say it on such a bad note, but, you know, if he had better uh, physicians here, yeah. that mm. it wouldn't have been this situation. That's true. They found out what was really wrong with him after he done went so far down. Yeah. yeah. Because the doctor actually told him <laughs> when they got down to Jacksonville, said, Mr. Griffin, we're going to do this and we're going to do that, and you're going to throw that walker away, and you're going to live a long and normal life. Mm -hmm. But because he had, I hate to say it, such poor quality health around here. Just misdiagnosed. Misdiagnosed that it cost him his life. Damn. Yeah. Well, the same with Arnie. Yeah. My brother, I'm telling you, uh, if he had, had different doctors, he wouldn't have died 68 years old. Mm. And there's other examples of that, you know. How old was Arnie? 68, and I tried my best to get him changed doctors. And 
that's just a, you know yeah. it happens around here. See, we we've, we've outlived him going yeah. on five years, yeah. all of us. Well, I I sure hate to end it on this because Greg mm. was such a deserving person that he deserved better. Yeah, I know it. But he always had a smile on his face. He mm-hmm. he, he was great. I know. We loved him. We sure yeah. did. Well, folks, it's been been a very good episode for yeah. me, uh, particularly personally, and uh, yeah. uh, I hope that y'all have enjoyed it. Uh, we've gone back down through the passage of time and uh, talked about all of our lives growing up together on Dog Hill, mm-hmm. and uh, we'd like to say thank you for watching. And hope that you'll tune in again. Yeah. And on behalf of the Dog Hill Gang, (laughs) peace out. (laughs) Love you, Greg. Hey.